there's a few channels I watch all the time, and one of them is called Delinquent Nation. Check it out. Description box. The link is down there, as are the links for all of Dimitri's socials. And he is just doing brilliant interviews. Some overlap with what we're doing. People have been in prison, people in the gang lifestyle. But always with a redemptive aspect and life lessons for young people. So we are greatly honoured to have Dimitri with us today. who's going to tell yeah. us his story. Yeah. Why is the name Delinquent Nation? Why is it Delinquent Nation? Yeah. Um, well, um, I thought about that in prison. And, you know... I thought about the name um, Delinquent Nation because all of the people that I speak to could be referred to as delinquents. And secretly, it's my initials as well. I told you my, my yeah. full name, in it. So, yeah, so it just kind of worked, you know, and I went with that name, Delinquent Nation. Like it. Like and yeah, I'm honoured to, to be on. This is the first big platform that I've been on, you know. I know it's took a while. <laughs> <laughs> but got there in the end. We got here, yeah, yeah. we got here. So let's get back to the start then. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Tottenham, North London. Um, I was raised by my grandmother because um, both of my parents had passed away, as I said oh, to Sean no. earlier on. Sorry. That's um, fine. Um, and yeah, I grew up in Tottenham, went to school in Tottenham. And yeah, I'm here now. I'm in Barnet now. I'm living in Barnet. I think a lot of people are interested in your heritage, like mm. what you told me earlier. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay, so my mum is Mexican, my dad's Jamaican, and I was born here in England. Do you know what I mean? Do you know where they met? Um, no, I'm not too sure. Like, So that side, so like with my parents, I don't know too much about, do you know what I mean? Because obviously I live on my dad's side now, but I don't know too much about them because they died when I was really young. Do you How know did I mean? they die? Um, I don't really want to get into that if you don't mind. Yeah. But um, yeah, they passed away when I was young. Um, lived with my gran. She raised me like proper. Do you know what I mean? She was, she was broke. You could say she was broke, but she raised me good. Like she, she was used to take me to church and all the things. And, you know, I went to a good school. Well, Maybe not good, but she tried to bring me to like a Christian school and things like this. And yeah, life growing up wasn't too bad. It was just like a bit of poverty. That was it. But you were a good boy. Yeah, I would. I was always rebellious. <laughs> <laughs> I was always rebellious, but I was raised. I, I would say I was raised good, you know, I was disciplined. When you say rebellious, like how far did your rebelliousness go? Ah, all the way, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how I ended up. That's how I ended up going to prison, man, because, um, you know, I used to, um, even from, so from school days, um, I would say like from about year nine, um, I would go out and like rob other school kids. And that started from myself getting robbed when I, when I went into year seven. So, um, when I got into year seven and we had to take bus to school some like an older guy approached him on a bus robbed me for like 40p something silly like that but my pride was like do you know what I mean my pride was was finished so since then I just kind of took the mentality of like I'm not trying to be a victim again and so I just kind of got on the oppressive side if that makes sense 
and I started going to, to other schools, robbing kids. Like back then, like phones would go for loads of money. Like nowadays, it's a bit different. You, you know? can't rob a phone these days. Uh, yeah, I don't think. Yeah, no. because locked. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think they're traced and, and whatever. But back then, we would rob like you know sixty-two tens, thirty-two tens. Play snake. Yeah, yeah we play snake on <laughs> yeah. that. And, but them them phones. Yeah, we used to do that, and that's how I'd I'd earn like earn some money, and then. After that, at about 15, I kind of got involved with a few of the guys from Tottenham. And in Tottenham, it is a lot of people are involved in the, in the gang lifestyle. So it's like sometimes it, it kind of feels like you kind of have to go that way or you can be a victim kind of thing. So most of my friends was involved in that life and, yeah, ended up selling drugs at some spot outside of a bookies um i mentioned it on one of my videos but i was selling drugs outside of a bookies because this is where like so the turks in the area like they kind of had the area on smash they were selling like loads of drugs outside this bookies and then one day there was like a police operation all of them got nicked so when we was going and chilling outside of the bookies there was like everyone like the users kept coming back to the spot like oh have you got this have you got that have you got this have you got that and then eventually I just thought let me just buy it because the amount of people that come like we would be standing outside in the corner but the amount of people that come I thought like this could this could make some money so I picked up some these times it was just weed picked up some weed found out how to sell it um, I think it was just like a quarter which would have been I don't know like 30 pound back then and then you make 70 pound back off it so was doing that and and then it kept growing, growing, growing. And then one day somebody asked for coke and then started getting involved in that. And then one day I found out about going to the countryside to go and sell some drugs. Cause like that's very lucrative as well. Like people go out to What do you mean? Like, you know what they say, county lines nowadays. And basically someone one of the olders from my area used to run a line out in Ipswich and he was making like three, four grand a day. And I was like, okay, I'll come on. My mate told me about it. Even though I had my own thing going on in Tottenham, my mate told me about it. He was like, look, we can go there. We can earn, they will pay us like 200 pound a day or something like that. I was like, cool, sounds good. And then I can just get someone to work my line in Tottenham. So I just kind of have two things going on. So I went there, um, Went went there for the first time, went country. I think I was about probably 16. So went up there. Um, one of the first few days we went up there, like we was in the house, just somebody's, some user's house. And I remember we slept on like a spare bed. And then we woke up in the morning and then we saw like three kids like, but they wasn't part of us here. We saw three kids sat on the sofa eating Domino's um, pizzas. So I've called a big man like, yo, there's three kids. There's three kids just sat here <laughs> selling drugs and we're in the house as well. This is mad. Like, what should we do kind of thing? And he was like, like, rob them. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? How old like, were these kids? They would have been similar to my age. You know, one of them had a school uniform on. Do you know what I mean? So... There was three kids from South London and me and my me and my friend at the time, he was he's my co-D on this last case, but 
we were just like, all right, cool. So we went in the kitchen, got a few kitchen knives or whatever, went into the living room where they were sat and we just robbed them for um, all the drugs they had, all the money they had. And even my mate, he took the train ticket, their train ticket back was quite bad. Do you know what I mean? And that was like, yeah, that was probably the beginning of everything. And then say a few days after that, so we ain't even been there a week yet. The police came and raided the house and I had to jump out of the window. And um, my my mate, he had to run out another way and we, we just kept it moving. You got away. We got away, yeah. yeah. And then from that day, I had gone to another user's house. So there was a, another user where I knew where they lived. So I'd gone into that house and I was like, oh, just get me out of here kind of thing. And he had taken me to a town that's local to Ipswich. So went to a place called Felix store. And um, when I went there, there was um, some late, some woman, she's a user as well, but she also sells. So I was like, when we've got to this house, the house is about 40 miles away from where we was working for this other guy. And she was like, there was, I was like, who's serving up over here kind of thing. And there was like this girl called um, Sam, you know, and I was like, and there was like, she's a user. She just basically social supplies, which means she uses it, but then sells enough to, to buy more, if that makes sense. So I was like, and the gear shit, do you know what I mean? Whatever they had over there, it was, it was just rubbish. So I thought to myself, I'm just going to buy my own stuff and come up here because no, no one had it this time at the time. No one had it. So um, me and my friend, he had he had ended up in Norwich and I was in Felixstowe. So we both left Ipswich. So I said to my friend, like, look, I'm taking this guy's drugs. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> this guy that we was working with, like one of the olders, I said, I'm taking, I'm taking it and I'm, I'm taking the money. So you do your thing. I'm doing my thing. And then it ended us in a bit of, we had a bit of trouble when we got back to Tottenham. But yeah, ended up taking their stuff. And then starting my own thing in in Felixstowe. How do you generally find the users to commandore their house? Well, because it was such a um, so the people in Ipswich, he obviously the guy took me to someone that he knows in Felixstowe, and the town is about it's a small town. Police station used to close. I don't know if it still does. It used to close around six, seven o'clock. It's one of these small towns, mm. and there's about twenty, thirty users there. And they all know each other. Do you know what I mean? So it's just a thing of, you know, one of them, you know, all of them. So you say to what you just, the person that, so the person whose house I went to and these guys want to, want, they want you to stay in their house. I think nowadays they say things like cuckooing or, or something like that. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. my experience with it is it's, it's not, it's not a bully thing or nothing like that. They actually want you to stay because you pay rent, if that makes sense. So, so it wasn't. Like you see disabled people getting their house taken over. I don't know about disabled people. No, no, no. But um, users. Yeah, so yeah. like what they would do is say how the business was set up was like, I will pay you like 80 pound a day. Um, and to get, they get free drugs. Exactly. So yeah. it would be 80 pound a day in drugs. So it would be like two, two of each every day for staying in the house. And you get in the morning and the night time and every 10 times you go out, I give you one of each as well. So sometimes they was earning like 
200 pound in 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 drugs every day do you know what i mean so they didn't that's why everyone would kind of want you in their house so they don't have to spend their own money they can just earn from going out mm. if that makes sense so i quickly learned that then i had um when i learned it and things started moving and i started earning like two to three grand a day i was able to get like people involved so i got like friends that wanted to work on the line um and yeah, I got them up there and they would like, so I'd pay like the person that came up, I'd pay him like a hundred pound a day, like pay the driver like 150 pound going back and forth to London. And then I'd pay um, the users whose house it is. Do you know what I mean? And we had a few different houses that we can use. And yeah. Sorry, two to three grand a day is quite a bit of money for someone who's 16. Yeah. What were you spending it on? So, yeah, I'm going to get into that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, I would say I was about 17 when it got to like two to three grand a day. You know, around Christmas, you might earn about four grand in a day. Do you know what I mean? But it's not all profit. Profit wise, it was about seven or eight hundred pound a day. If you're cut like, so when you're paying the workers, you're paying the drivers, then you're paying what the reload is, whatever you're, you're, re- you're reloading on. And then what's left over is like for yourself kind of thing. So it, it turned out that I was making about £700 a day. Uh, Still profit. quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. It, it, <laughs> it was decent. And I dropped out like, so at the same time when I had someone working there, I was going to college in London. And then I just didn't really see the point in, in college because I had a young mindset. What were you studying? IT. IT because at them times IT was like a, a it was a big thing do you know what I'm saying because com- is, yeah. Com- yeah, yeah now now but like back then it was like computers were not new but it was kind of like you know yeah so I thought IT I can get involved in IT and do something with my life do you know what I mean and um just want to say before then like because I had a few opportunities in life and this is kind of why I do what I do but before then, when I was like 15, 16 as well, I used to um, weightlift and I was a London champion, qualified for the 2008 Olympics. And um, yeah, and I've never said this before, but people probably wouldn't believe it. Do you know what I mean? Because I've, <laughs> I've lost so much weight now, but yeah, I used to weightlift professionally and I've won every competition I've been in. Wow. And I had a scholarship for Loughborough. And what had happened was we had, the European Championships and this is when I was still in school but I was still doing what I was doing but I was doing the weightlifting thing as well and it was the European Championships and then we had gone to a party the night before and it's the biggest mistake I've probably made in my life (laughs) (laughs) gone to this party and at the time we had the whole Wood Green and Tottenham thing there's like major beef back then. I think this is when the beef even just first started. And um, we was at this party in Tottenham and the Wood Green kids came down and shots were going off, you know, it was it was kind of mad. And then my, one of my friends, one of my close friends, he got stabbed in his neck. Yeah, and back then it was like, wow, kind of thing. We've gone to the hospital, um, I was in a hospital with my man and yeah, that night basically, by the time 
everything had kind of settled, we had to leave. We had to be in the coach for like six in the morning. So it's like, and bear in mind, I'd been working with this trainer for a lot. Cause I just used to go to gym and then they was like, oh, why don't you come do weightlifting? My, my coach, and he's like an old school ex-army. He was a world champion himself in weightlifting. And he put all his work into me, like all his work into me. And, you know, I never used to pay for anything. And like, he just used to put work into me. Like there's another, thing. I don't know if you've seen the Paralympics, the, uh, the guy Ali, he's got like no, no legs. And he, and he, he does weightlifting, powerlifting. I haven't seen him. Have you he, guys? He's like the British champion yeah. for, um, for um, powerlifting yeah. in the Paralympics. He used to be there as well. But this, even the coach used to put more, more effort into me kind of thing. So on the day um, that I was supposed to go to these championships, I felt like I'm not going to be able to perform. I'm going to end up sleeping. So I just never went there again. Do you know what I mean? I never went back to the gym again. And it was just, that was it. Like, you know. So this was from the shooting? Yeah, there, there, was, there was loads of things going on. There were shootings. There was like, there was loads of things going on at the party because there was a bit of a clash. What type of party is this, man? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just, it actually a typical party. Like in, in the end, like, they you just know. turn up shooting? Yeah, yeah. There was, a shooting did happen. And then there was a, a few people got stabbed. My mate got stabbed in his neck. What was the beef over originally between, what did they say, Tottenham Wood Green, was it? Tottenham Wood Green. What was the beef over? Um, we, I don't know the the, the ins and outs because I wasn't there for the for the beginning. But what I do know is we was actually caught cool at first. You know, Tottenham Wood Green, a lot of people, a lot of the older lot from Wood Green could be classed as um, Tottenham as well because it, cause Tottenham's a big area and Wood Green's a small area. But I think like one of the Tottenham guys violated one of the green guys and, you know, it just kind of started from there. But, it was, it, you know, I would say, and now it's still going on. And I would, I would say it's been going on for like over 20 years now, probably. So two people got stabbed. Did anyone, were there any fatalities or anything? No one died, no. No, no, no. No one just died. seriously injured. Yeah. And you had to take your mates to the hospital. Yeah. No, I, I didn't take him, but I went to the hospital. Do you know what I mean? ambulance took him wow yeah and Strong. that that's kind of like how I messed up because I, like I said I had a scholarship for Loughborough um, qualified for the 2008 Olympics there were so much things that I could have done with my life um, and I sometimes re regret it because it's like had, <sighs> had I have just not gone to that party I could have been something different do you know what I mean Everything happens for a reason, though. Everything happens for a reason, 100%. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so from there, um, yeah, so like I said, yeah, I was in, I ended up in country and then ended up leaving college um, and not doing college no more because I was making so much money selling drugs, do you know what I mean? Which is another big mistake because I feel like at least if I had some qualifications under my belt, it would have taught me further in life, do you know what I mean? Um, or I would have felt like some sense of achievement. But it's always attractive at the time, isn't it? What would you mean? The money. Yeah, it's always, yeah. yeah, of course. I think it's a great idea. I used to think to myself, like, and in the most naive way, I used to think to myself, like, I'm making more than this teacher. Do you know what I mean? Like, I make, I'm making more than anyone in my class. So, like, why, why am I going to um, listen to these lot? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I used to be one of them lucky guys that never gets 
nicked or arrested or anything like that. And I just kind of thought, I'm never getting nicked. I'm just way too smart for this. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Starts to feel invincible, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So earlier on then you said you decided to jack the elder. Was yeah. the consequences for that, taking his stuff? Yeah. Um, there was consequences. But we also know olders, do you know what I'm saying? Mm. So it was a thing where I reached out to one one of the um, older lot that I know and my, my mate, he reached out to one of his older people. Phone calls was made and it just kind of got squashed because since then he knew exactly where I was working. I was working not far from his spot in Ipswich. So and nothing happened, you know what I mean? I actually ended up meeting him in jail one time and we was friends. <laughs> yeah, like I, met, I ended up meeting him like in jail and I thought it was going to be on, but we was in HMP Norwich because that's the local up them side. And yeah, I thought it would have been on, but he was just like, yeah, man, it's cool. It wasn't a lot of, you know, it wasn't a lot of drugs, man. It was probably like 700 pounds worth of drugs. But... um. And did he know at the time you took it? Did, mm. Was it a, in his face kind of? No, it wasn't in his face. We was working for him. Do you mm. know what I mean? Mm. We was working for him. And one of the main reasons why I kind of came to that decision as well, yeah, wasn't just because I had my own opportunity, but that was the, that was the main reason. But it wasn't just because of that. He had told my guy working in Norwich that, yeah, we're going to pay you because it's been a full week. So he was like, yeah, we're going to pay you stay up there for another week and then we'll pay you after that. And he was like, bro, I've got to go probation because he was on probation. He was like, I've got to go probation. Like I can't stay up for another week. These times we're kids as well. Yeah. So mm. it's like, we're away from home for a long time. I'm making up excuses for where I'm at. Do you know what I mean? And it was like, bro, is this guy taking a piss? What does he mean? Another week. Slow playing you. Yeah. Trying to slow play, man. Yeah. And I was like, nah, that's not happening. I would just jerk him and take his things. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And then that's what I did and just started up my own spot up there. Wow. And how long was that going on for? Years. Years? Years, yeah. It was actually really good. Like, <laughs> it, it, it was actually, um, it was actually quite good business. It was better than Ipswich. So where he was, they was, it's a main city, there's a lot of operations going on, a lot of police. But where I was, there's barely any police. And the way I set up the operation, it was like, because of my skin colour and because of the people that was working for me because of their skin colour. And even if there was a white boy working on the line, I wouldn't have them step out of the house. You stay in the house and you just give the user what they need. And the user would sell, sell the drugs. So whoever was up there at the time would never ever be seen. They, they would never get seen because you stick out like a sore thumb over there. It's like a seaside. I, th I think there's a seaside there. I'm not sure, but it's a small town mm. and they all know each other. There was another guy, there was one black person up there and his name was like Black Pete. <laughs> do, you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like there was one black guy up there. So it's like, you can't just be... It's like that in Devon. Yeah, do you know what I mean? You can't, you can't you'd stick out like a sore thumb. So the way I kind of had it was you never go out if you want something to eat we'll pay 
the user, whoever's house it is, or the runner, will pay him to go and get it. All his shopping will be paid for anyway, so he would go in a shop and then bring all the food back and I'd pay for that. And all you got to do is basically sit down and when the phone rings, give whatever's needed to the to the user to go and um, sell the drugs. Did you not get cabin fever being in so much? Cabin fever? Yeah, it's I don't know what that is. I've spent 10 years in jail. I don't know what cabin fever is. Do you know what it is? <laughs> there's times back then it was like there's times where people was going for weeks without even having a shower do you know what I mean like you know you're grinding and that's just what you're doing do you know what I mean were you using the product never yeah you never um, never get high on your own supply I that. But but just in general I think people from my area just know never to touch like white or be like so brown or white never touch it just only weed you know and that's what um that's just the rules in it and there's not a lot of people that actually from my from my area or from my era because the older lot ended up smoking their own supply and that but they didn't really know what what crack was but when you see what it does you, you just never smoke it do you know what i mean crazy yeah so you yourself are putting your voice on the phone when people are calling for deals is that what you said yeah were you not worried about the cops listening in? Mm. No, I wasn't at the time. I knew all of their voices off by off by heart. Every time I changed the phone, mm. it was just a text message. And then they would send it out to all their mates. A lot of it was very third party. So it was like, I would tell whoever's whoever user I'm working with at the time, I'll tell them, text all your mates. And then they will get hold of either the user and the user will get a phone call or... Sometimes we'll store it on our own line, but it was more called the user. Do you know what I mean? So it's like there's a f- there's there was one or two people that was working for me that got arrested that ended up getting arrested, and a few users that ended up getting arrested. But yeah, I'd never been arrested, and they didn't grass. Nah, never grass. Nah, because that's how they got us. Once they got one phone. Then it spreads, then they get five, then they get 15, and then they get, yeah. So you didn't take on any new clientele? Nah, nah. it was just it, it was just something that wasn't broken, so there was no need to fix it kind of thing. And it was like, the phones was always getting changed, man. Do you know what I mean? Whatever phone I was using to contact those guys, it was always getting changed. I'd never contact. I'd never had a contract until recent. I've never had like a, a contract phone until I just came out recently. The first contract I've ever had. But yeah, no phones ever got registered, and they would only get used. Um, yeah, like I said, because it's such a small town, you just kind of need anyone in the town's number to kind of get the message out. So you, I could keep changing the line. Some people have one line. And they use it as that their trap line for as long as they're there and it kind of gets hot. But we didn't do it like that. It was just like constantly changing it. Do you know what I mean? Really smart. Yeah, you could say. <laughs> but it was just, we were just in that position. Probably if it was in a bigger place like Ipswich or Norwich, you'd have to like use the set because it would be hard to get certain numbers again. Some people don't know some people. But in this little town, ev- everyone knew everyone everyone that used knew knew knew, knew their, their mates and that they would use together kind of thing they was all working they all had good jobs and they would all spend like a lot of money what about the people who got arrested then did you give them legal benefits 
what's that mean? Oh, is in was that was like, that get get him like bailed out and get him a lawyer or anything like that? So they won't snitch. Oh no, it wasn't. That's that's more like American. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think you're probably speaking from like an American mm. situation because there's there's not you know I haven't really heard of over in the UK someone paying for bail. You know, mm. I know a man that's put up his house. And he was in, he was on Roman, he put up his house and they still didn't give him bail. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, in America, you, there's a set amount. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I'd, I'd never really heard of that over here. Because we schooled all our users and runners. Yeah. If you get arrested, you call this lawyer, we bail you out right away, you plead the fifth. So no one would snitch. Yeah. yeah. I think where we was, it was just like, don't don't snitch do you know what I mean or Everyone, else <laughs> no it's not even or else bro it's just do you know what it is it's just a cold yeah. and uh, you know nobody nobody snitch especially the users you know because mm. you speaking about the last video I did when I was in the car mm. and they'd found a shotgun da -da 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 -da, and that was actually found in a user's house so everyone got arrested for that and nobody spoke which is why you know, even like, which is why they ended up, everyone ended up getting no further action because it was a known house to police that it was a known house that drug users come in and out, drug dealers come in and out of this house. So it, it could have been anyone's gun. Do you know what I mean? So. Do you think that's down to your judgment of people as well, though? Because I imagine you've got a lot of people coming to you for opportunities yeah. and you're deciding which ones you're going to work with. 100%, yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. And I did build relationships with these guys, man. Like, I found that when I was younger, people used to um, go to these places and take the piss out of these users, you know. I even call them users. I'm not calling them cats, mm. kitties, nitties or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Because they're people. And I kind of realised there was, there was a lot that I learned in prison. Um, but I was always cool with them. I, like I said, I paid for their shopping, their food. Like a lot of them have nothing in the house. They're spending all their money on drugs. But I would make sure that their cupboards were full. Um, whatever they needed, I'd give them. Do you know what I mean? Um, there was never any violence or anything like that unless... And that kind of worked out. Like So when we... So say, for example, when people started finding out about this town and started trying to set up shop... Um, they would tell me and they would set it up so I can I can rob them do you know, and get them out of the town do you know what I mean or I can get people to do it and there's sometimes like I could even get like a user to go in there and, and rob them do you know what I mean and kind of get them out of business so there was a big loyalty that I had with them I was because the, before me there was this girl that she was a user herself and you know she she wasn't really doing much and then after that it was me and I think I was probably like one of the first people from London to really come up and set up shop yeah. over there. You're a fair boss. And yeah, I was really, really fair. And I didn't deal with anyone like it was beneath me or anything like that. Everyone just got what they um, deserved kind of thing. And yeah, nobody ever snitched. Nobody ever snitched. Did um, any of them do time? Once um, you got caught? Yeah, but one one worker did time. And there was one... Users were getting arrested, but because they're users, they was getting arrested and coming out. Like they would get arrested with with drugs, and it's like, all right, you get. I forgot what it used to be called, but it's like, what's that thing called where 
they will release you, but you got to do a drug program. Um. Oh God. I forgot what the name of it is. Yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. But you'd get released, like having to do this drug program, like and rehabilitation. Yes, yeah, rehabilitation yeah. program. Yeah, and yeah, that was that. That was it. So it's like they kind of knew if they got arrested, it wouldn't be that deep kind of thing. And when I actually did get arrested out there, they had said to me that they've been on me for a very long time. You know, because like I said, I was there for years. You know, never ever got nicked, and then. When they finally got me, it was just like, yeah, wow. they was kind of happy to get me. And was that your first arrest? Not arrest in general, but yeah. it was my not my first arrest in general. But it was the first time I had been arrested for drugs. What was your first arrest? Um, Section five firearm, pepper spray, something silly. Oh, what you just had a bit of pepper spray? Yeah, I had a bit of pepper spray. I was like fifteen or sixteen, and um, went to a party in Edmonton and we had beef with Edmonton a lot of these times as well and then someone's just pulled up he pulled a gun out we're all just running down the road we're jumping over fences and things like this and then we've ended up in someone's back garden and then the door was open the back door was open so we've all kind of gone in there was hiding kind of thing and then Whoever, whoever's house it was obviously called police and then <laughs> do you know what I mean but we didn't know that they called police do you know what I mean and then they just turned up to the house and then yeah I had pepper spray on me and just it's just silliness do you know what I mean what was and the charges I, on that section 5 firearm yeah but what did you get charged with like I got cautioned cautioned yeah, yeah I got cautioned that was the first time I'd been arrested Um, since then it's like driving offences like small small things and then it was eventually I eventually got nicked for the drugs so how was the arrest how did that go down so this is it um, (laughs) (laughs) and it would never have happened but it was like so somebody that was working for me um, the way he kind of had it like so the way I've had my things set up like I've explained to you guys like is don't leave the house, the user will sell everything, whatever, whatever. And then, so the guy I was paying, he thought, and he was quite naive to this, I reckon, I don't know, but he thought, you know what, I'm never going to, um, like, I, I'm just going to go back to London and let the user sell it because cause it was going off the user's line anyway, so they, they used to ring the user's line. So what he did was, he left, I think it was like two ounces, um, one of each, like one of white, one of B. And he went back to London and kind of left it with the user. Cause like, you know, you do get close with them. You live together kind of thing. And he, he just kind of trusted him to do that. But the, the reason why I'm paying you, I, I could have just paid the user to, to go and do that. But the reason I'm paying you is to hold on to it because you can't give an addict that much drugs. Do you know what I mean? So then, He's broke the protocol here, hasn't he? Yeah, he's gone home, didn't tell me. So I'm trying to call him, he's not picking up. I'm calling the user, he's not picking up. So I've called like one of my certified users over there. Like he was like on action. So I've called him like, go over to my man's house. And then he's gone to the house. He's like, D, you're not going to not gonna like this. He's like, he's saying that the house got raided. They had to flush it down the toilet. 
He's like, listen, don't listen to that. He smoked it all. Da, 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 da. I know he smoked it. He's high as fuck. Do you know, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and I was yeah. like, what the fuck? But I couldn't even blame the, I couldn't even blame the user because, you know, it's in front of Temptation. you. Of course. Exactly. So I couldn't even blame him, but it was like, I've had to now come up myself and I'd, I haven't been up there for years. Do you know what I mean? I had different people going up there, but I, I didn't myself been up there for years. So because I didn't want to take another loss or, or risk it with anybody, I had to come up myself and I was breaking it down into like, okay, I'm just going to drop off a quarter of each, quarter of each, quarter of each. And when you're finished, give me a shot, whatever. So I was in a bed and breakfast, still never left the house. I, I would just catch a cab drop off a quarter of each when it's finished it might be finishing like an hour or two hours or whatever drop off another quarter of each and what had happened was um one day i've called the phone early in the morning and the phone's off but sometimes they sleep you know and the other users in the town have a number for me as well. So they're like, I'm trying to call the phone. It's not on. Tell them to wake up. Da, 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 da. So I'm like, cool, I'll just knock on the house. So I've caught cab there to wake them up because sometimes they don't wake up. They, they've probably like, you know, so I've gone to knock on the house and then police jumped out of me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They're like, don't move, whatever, whatever. And then they've like, I'm like, shit, I've got nothing on me, by the way. Like, you know, I've just come to wake them up kind of thing I've just had a bit of money I think I had two grand in in cash on me and and the phone line and then while I'm they've jumped out on me but they're all CID so they're all like wearing normal clothes normal clothes mm. I'm thinking these lot have got me like, I'm thinking there's people trying to rob me here do you know what I'm saying because <laughs> the way they jumped on me all they jumped they robbed me tackled me had me on the ground but then when they put the cuffs on brought me in the house I'd seen that everyone in the house had been arrested. I was like, cool. I'm like, bro, what are, you, what are you stopping? It's not the first time I've been arrested down there. Because like I said in that video when I'm driving, mm. I've been arrested for like other things, you know. And they, and the police officer was like, um, he knew it was me, but I'd gotten away with it kind of thing. And yeah, when they arrested me, um, I was sat on the table, phone lines just ringing off. <laughs> It's quite obvious, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I was like, look, I'm up here seeing my uncle. Do you know what I mean? Da, 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 da. I, was, I, was just, I was just chatting <laughs> shit. They was like, what are these keys that I've got here? And then I was like, well, this is my this is my house key. This is my car key. This is my, this key. And then I was like, and they was like, what are these keys? <laughs> these are the hotel keys. I was like, oh, this is, um, this is the keys to my shed. I just made up <laughs> some bullshit, yeah? And it was like, that's funny. And he slapped down the same set of keys. They were staying in, in the bed and breakfast that I was in. So they was doing an operation, basically. Wow. As soon as I got up, like they had, because I've never been up there. Like I hadn't been up there until that mistake got made. And as soon as I got up there, they was on me. And they stayed, they were staying in the same hotel, whatever. So even though I didn't have nothing on me, I thought I was, they, they went straight into the hotel, got all the drugs, you know. Mm. So yeah, that's when... They finally got me in it. and the guy, I think the, the detective was like, like, we've been trying to get you for years. I just didn't say nothing. Do you know what I mean? I was just like, 
it is what it is kind of thing. Had you a plan for this situation? Um, nah, not at all. The plan was if I go to prison, business goes as usual, and then, you know, just pay me rental fees for the um, line, like I set up, like to, you know, pay me £500 a week, which is very fair. And then my mate ended up snaking me and not paying me. Do you know what I mean? And this is just how it goes. Do you know what I'm saying? So you got taken to the station. Yeah. What happened next? Um, Yeah, they charged me for um, conspiracy to supply Class A drugs. And yeah, that was it. And then from there I got went to court. Did you have a lawyer in mind like mm. if, if, if shit went down? Nah. So I had, um, I went with... <clears throat> I went with duty solicitors, mm. which is big. It's not. I wouldn't say it's a big mistake because it was an open and shut case, bro. Like I didn't need to pay for mm. any type of lawyers because they had me. They they was in the same hotel as me. They was watching me. You know, as soon as I had gone up there, like they was already on me. Do you know what I mean? And then, it, like that story that I said in the car when I went to go and check the bookies, there was a car waiting there. Do you know what I mean? And so. Every time I'd gone up there, they was ready for me and I'd kind of been arrested. So, yeah, I, like, yeah, it was my mistake for going back up there and, and yeah, I got arrested for that. Um, got four years. Um, and, yeah, I did that in Norwich and High Point, I think. This was, like, 2010 or 11. So that was, like, one of the first times I'd been to prison. That was the first time? no. First time was was a driving offence. Like I had a couple driving offences, like six months here and there, but that was very minor. But this is the first actual, what I'd count as like the first actual time that I did. Do you know what I mean? Longer sentence, yeah. Yeah. So what was it like your first day going in? Um, in all honesty, I was nervous, you know, because you watch the movies and you think like, uh, and then when I got off the sweat box, Someone screamed out the window, fresh meat. That was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know why they did that. Because when I got in the wing, everyone was like, pussy holes, do you know what I mean? Like, when I got in the wing, there was no one, there was no one really intimidating. But because we was in Norwich and there wasn't really any bad boys up there, do you know what I mean, at the time. But yeah, someone screamed out the window, fresh meat. I was like, oh, fuck. It's going to go down there, man. Do you know what I mean? And I was just thinking thinking like how to move I was, I was very self-conscious about like you know if anyone says anything I, I just need to bang him like you know on site doesn't matter you know just get a crack in don't ever take a violation like, I was very much like that but then I think on my first day I had met a few users that used to work for me a lot of people had already heard of me um because of the business I've been doing for years. Um, and then the Londoners, there was a few other Londoners like working in Ipswich, Norwich, do you know what I mean? And we had all just kind of linked up and it was it was all right, you know? We just kind of got into the, to the swing of things. Do you know what I mean? And like I said, it turned out there wasn't really anyone too, too bad in that jail, do you know what I mean? We ended up kind of being the bad ones, like the London guys. There's there's like a London syndrome, yeah, <laughs> where Londoners just think they don't really have respect for like little towns or like they just think that they're the the baddest. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
But then when you go to places like Liverpool, Birmingham, Manchester, you got like bad boys there as well. But a lot of London people, they're just, because they've just been in London all their life and there's a lot of violence that goes on. You just kind of have that, that London syndrome. When you go to prison, you just think, right, you're from country. You can't tell me nothing. You ain't seen nothing. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah. Did you have your own cell? Yeah, yeah. So I learned. So this was another silly thing that happened, but it worked in my favour. But I learned in the beginning, you, you have to be in a double. Mm. But I'd learned, like, someone had told me, like, like an old timer that was there, like, if you want your own cell, you got to beat up yourself, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You got, so did you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but for a reason, like, it was over. What was it over? I think it was over the TV or something like that. And we was arguing over the TV and he was watching bullshit. And I was so young, like, you know, I think I was about 20 years old. So um, just with the young mentality, yeah, I just kind of got it cracking with him in the cell. He pressed the light, the emergency light. Uh, the officers came in and they nicked me for fighting or whatever. But since then, I was made a high-risk prisoner. So I wasn't allowed to share a cell with anyone but that's how I wanted it I wanted my own cell I like my own company I don't um, do double double bang up I didn't like it only like of my choice so like since then I've I've had cellmates but it's like I would choose you have to say to the officer look I want to lose my high risk status I'm really to bang up with this guy he's my cousin or he's my my good friend from do you know what I mean and yeah so did they upgrade you to a high risk prison because yeah. you classification no, there isn't a high-risk prison um mm. it's just that you you can be a high-risk prisoner in a low-risk prison like mm. do you know what i mean so a high-risk prisoner just means you're high risk to your cellmate you know what i mean mm. there's people that um have mental health issues so like someone could be a schizophrenic mm. and he would be automatically high risk because there's there's no telling what he's going to do while their cellmate's sleeping do you know what i mean so high risk isn't isn't that hard to get mm. do you know what I mean but like yeah as, as a young person I just kind of did that um, I'm not proud of it or nothing like that it's nothing to be glorified or nothing but I just kind of did that because I wanted my own cell and then since then that kind of stays in your record so every prison I went to I was able to like keep a single cell can't beat a single cell so what category, <laughs> category prison was this? this was a B-cat but it was a B-cat remand there's a difference between B-cat remand and B-cat sentence. So every remand prison is B-cat in the country. Sorry. Every remand prison is B-cat in the country because they're either holding A-cat prisoners, B-cat prisoners, C-cat or D-cat at any time. Because you're, you're waiting your sentence and when you get sentenced, that's when you can get categorised. If it's like murder high profile cases um you go straight to ACAT if you're like a known um if you're a known prisoner like high profile prisoner like you're known to have a lot of money maybe they put you in category A and those are the prisons like Belmarsh Long Larton Whitemore they call them dispersal prisons and then after that you have BCAT um which is like and these are sentence so BCAT sentence, so not the remand prisons, but like BCAT sentence prisons is like 
10 years and above. If you've got 10 years and above, you go to a, a high security B cat and you, B cats have A cats sometimes or they like do B cats, but there's no C cats there or nothing like that. It's a high security prison. And majority of people just go to C cats. Um, and that's where I went to after Norwich. But that was my drug sentence for the sentence that I just came out of. I was B cat for like four years. Yeah, I was, I was I was in the high security prison for like four years. And then I finally got my C cat and we'll probably get into that yeah, afterwards. Yeah. Going back to the first one then, when you're on remand, did you have to have a trial? No, I went guilty. Mm. So, you know, I didn't, my solicitor even said like, look, they've kind of, I think they had a money laundering thing on me and that's like, I just had to sign a piece of paper um, proceeds the crime act and just let them take the money it was only two grand I had two grand on me do mm. you know what I mean and they was like well, it's proceeds of crime whatever if I don't if I try to fight for this two grand then I can get extra time whatever and it was just two grand so I was like take that and yeah so yeah I went guilty at the earliest how had you been laundering your money and I wasn't laundering my money they just okay. they just call it money laundering yeah so like because <laughs> I don't know why they do that like but mm. Um, because it's proceeds of crime. I think that the the money they 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 called it that. I don't know. Mm. Like, there's an article about it online, and they talk about you know how I was um done for money laundering, or whatever, whatever. But I wouldn't say I was laundering money mm. because I was just, and I think a lot of people that in my situation was doing this as well. It wasn't that organized. It was just like you get money. You go shopping, you buy what you want, da, da 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 da. Do you know what I mean? I never really had, I never had cards, you know, so nothing really went free. It was just cash. Everything was just paid for in cash and not, and no questions were really. Just asked. as well as the cops would have took it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. if the cops had seen, you know, I'd spent 50 grand this year, mm. then they would be able to put a big pocket on me. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, everything was just done in cash, mm. you know. Back to prison, did you see many acts of violence on your first day? Um, first day? Stay. First stay. Stay. Oh, stay. Oh, my yeah. first day. Yeah. First day. Not the first day. The first day. Well, maybe yeah. the first day. But... Yeah, <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was, there was plenty of violence, man. Plenty of violence. Um, you know, um, I would say the first bit that you would see fights here and there like little fights here and there but the first kind of serious fight was like my mate had a little mate jake baker yeah shout out jake i haven't spoken about i haven't spoken to this guy in like over 10 years man but since prison but he was my good mate he's from essex and he's only a little guy yeah but he he had beef with this like steroid head like you know, and they was all cut, they were shouting at each other through the windows and whatever. And then it was exercise time because I think I'm sure Norwich was like 22 hours lock up, so we had like one hour exercise, one hour association. So it was exercise now, and we've met up in the yard. And then straight away, Jake and this steadhead just got it cracking, and then. 
I remember I got involved. I started cracking him as well. So it was like two on one kind of thing. But when Jake got on top of him, Jake, like he pushed his whole finger into his eye. Oh. <laughs> he was gouging out his eyes, you know, because Jake's a small guy, but he's very, he's vicious. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and like, yeah. And after that, his eye popped out, man. Oh. He was, he was nasty, man. But um, after that, I think after that, like, there was a lot of respect gained on that wing, man. Do you know what I mean? You know? No. So that's what you told me to do, Sean. If I get attacked by a man, it's, it's to a go very for effective his eyes. thing to do, isn't it? Because yeah. that's the most vulnerable part of the body, really. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would never do that. Do you know? Because I cringe out of that shit. Mm. But he, like, it was he was a big guy. He would have took both of us easily. But like, where we kind of toppled over, and like Jake was on top of him, like grabbing him. He was grabbing Jake, and I was just trying to hit him from the side. I just like Jake just kind of pushed his thumb in. Mm. It was disgusting. Did the guy get his eye fixed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in. cool. I actually met him like a year later in High Point. He was my next door. But when I landed in High Point, that was more of a London jail. Like, so I had loads of friends. So he was just kind of like, he actually did business with me. He bought a phone off me, everything like that. We was cool. I was like, you know, it's nothing personal. Like, you, like it's how it goes in jail. Like, you know, they had beef. Like, of course, I've got to get involved because that's my, my mate. And can he see all right? Yeah, he was all right, man. I don't think it was a, a permanent damage or nothing like that. Mm. He, he just gouged his eyes. Do you know what I mean? What was the original beef over? I I couldn't tell you, man. Mm. This is back in 2010 or 11, maybe. I don't know. So I couldn't tell you. There's been so much situation since then. But it was their beef, you know, mm. and there was arguing. Argue I think they're probably from the same areas because I think that guy was actually from Colchester and Jake was from Essex. So I think it was like some type of beef that they had. Do you know what I mean? But I couldn't tell you any more than that, to be fair. But yeah, like there was a lot of, a lot of fights going on in, in Norwich. A couple choppings, like a couple of people got caught, you know, which is quite normal in, in them prisons. A lot of people like even cut themselves, man. There's a lot of self-harmers in prison. Um, yeah, that was the prison where I first seen someone hang themselves. Yeah, I saw him swinging in the cell. Like, oh. his face all went purple and blue. Like, he was. So, yeah, I did see, did see him. Did you see him do the act? No, I didn't see him do the act. I just did saw him swinging. The aftermath. Yeah. yeah. And that happens a lot in jail. A lot of people hang themselves. And yeah, um, yeah, that sentence, yeah, there was a bit of violence. But. I think it was like, that was like my first sentence. So it was like, I didn't have much experience then, but like it was on my long, my longer sentence where I properly saw some real violence. Do you Not know what sure. I mean? Yeah. Mm. On that first one then, you'd set it up whereby you were supposed to get kicked down from your line. How soon into that sentence did you realise you were getting snaked? Quite soon. Mm. Yeah, quite soon. So... As I was there, um, you know, these are like, these times, it was a lot harder to get a phone in there. But, you know, someone had brought a phone in, I'd got it paid for. So I got a phone almost straight away. And then I was, I called the guy that I trusted. I was like, yeah, we've spoken about this as well outside. I said, in the very worst case, if anything happens, I want you to take over, da, 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 do your thing. And... Yeah, it was like, 
he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you X amount, whatever, whatever. And yeah, nothing, nothing. I couldn't get hold of him anymore. You know, I was calling people like, if you see this guy, you need to do him, da, 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 da. But yeah, it just, that's just how it goes. And I kind of learned that afterwards, you know, like in this business, like no one's really. I was going to ask how pissed you were about it. Yeah, I was pissed, man. Mm. I was pissed because then you got to fend for yourself now. And you got to like kind of get involved in, in certain things, you know. Um, also, what I did see, what was kind of mad was, um, and it was on this same sentence, like, so we was on the induction wing. So on the induction wing, a lot of um, a lot of kids, yeah, or a lot of men get moved to on the induction because um, they might come in from road with a parcel. Do you know what I mean? And this one guy came in and it was like people were saying, my mate from Ipswich, he said to me, he's like, oh, this guy's got, he's got, he's got, he's got his head of white in his ass. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? He's got out of white in his ass. And he was like, yeah, cool, like, let's go there kind of thing. So we went there. Um, I didn't get involved or nothing like that. But these guys are like, these two kids are like, you know, they're battering him and they're like, you know, get in the toilet. So they got him on the toilet, put the newspaper out on the toilet and they make you shit. Do you know what I mean? Ooh. And it, it t- like, I felt so bad, yeah, because I wasn't involved, yeah. I was just there to get a break off, you know, because I, I didn't need to get involved in that. But I was just there, like, if he has got a parcel, break me off so I can make some money myself kind of thing. And these guys are like, battering him that he's saying I haven't got a parcel it's a lie he had told someone that he's got an ounce of white and he made a big mistake he didn't actually have anything on him but it doesn't it gets worse <laughs> go on it gets worse like so they're going in they go, yeah. they're going in like do you know what yeah. I mean so he's on the toilet and he can't even shit do you know what I'm saying so nothing's coming up so then they called like one user, but he's like one of them serious users. They're like, listen, come in the cell. The users come in the cell. Like, look, get the spoon out. Do you know what I mean? And then he's taking the um, spoon and he's pushed it up his arse. <sighs> Couldn't find nothing. Anyways, because I wasn't actually on that wing. I was just told about the move, yeah. So I just kind of bounced from my wing onto that wing. I wasn't supposed to be on that wing. So I just kind of got off. Like when shit started going down, yeah, I just said, yeah, this is safe. I'm not involved in this. But everyone in that cell, um, everyone else in that cell, the people that was actually on the wing, they ended up getting sexual assault charges. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Spooning someone's asshole. Yeah. Fucking hell. Played a role in that though, didn't he? Bragging that he had Yeah, he he shouldn't have. And I think some people come on the wing like, yeah, I've got this. I'm the man. I'm the man. Yeah. Yeah, I've got this and that. But like, you know, in prison, people are like... Can't play like that. People don't play like that. And mm. the ounce of white in prison worth a lot of money. You know? Bet he learned his lesson. Yeah, of course, man. Now. He's yeah. traumatised after that, man. Do you know what I mean? Wow. But that happens a lot in jail. Do How often? I don't know. If someone comes in with a parcel that isn't really safe and he's not... Usually, they would just shit it out. They would be so, sh- they would be so scared. Like, if they did actually have a parcel, they get in the toilet and they'll push it out. And then what happens is obviously people have got gloves, like cleaners or whatever, they've got gloves. Um, they clean it up. 
take it out of like it might be in a condom it might be wrapped up or whatever unwrap it and it's clean in it so a lot of people get parcels out that way you just put like a newspaper down and then make it so it doesn't get go down the toilet or if it's a phone it doesn't get water damage or whatever and yeah a lot of, lot of things happen like that but if they can't actually shit at the time like people would force it out kind of thing which is deep well, that was that they put ice cubes in people's asses if they'd passed out on heroin. Because if the guard was going to come in and do a count and he saw a guy passed out on heroin, whole buildings locked down, shakedowns, drug business stops. So the gang ordered that the guy gets woken up by getting ice cubes stuck in his ass. Wow, yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> One of my ex done that as a party trick. He used to put an ice cube up his bum. Did he? Yeah, Welsh guy, pretty mental. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit, that's a bit mad. <laughs> <laughs> what about joggings? Oh huh? yeah, joggings. I've only recently What's discovered joggings. Yeah. yeah, the sugar. Oh yeah, plenty of that, man. Plenty of that, man. I seen someone get hot water, and he was a black guy with the sugar, though. And you know, it was just pink. He went from black to pink. You could see like the flesh, oh. and cause like. Your natural reaction when you've got water splashed in your face is to wipe it off. Like he's wiping off and his skin's just coming oh. out down with him. Off. Yeah, I, you see that quite a few fair amount of times. Is most of the violence over drugs, drug debts, that kind of thing? Mm, nah, I would say it could be personal shit. It could just mm. be someone shooting off at the mouth. Mm. Disrespect. It could be outside beef, you know. Drugs is like, yeah, people get like people. Some people might get into debt and then bounce off the wing, go into another wing or hide down the segregation. But um, yeah, people get moved to for like owing money. But you know, that's just a, that's just one side of things. There's loads of um, different reasons why violence would happen. So, were you getting any visits, family members? Did you have a missus or anything like that? Just during this one. Yeah. Sorry. That's all right. Yeah, I was... Um, saw my brother, a couple of my friends came up a couple of times. Um, Mrs. at the time came up. I found that um, women are a lot more loyal than men in on prisons. For me personally, they're girls that will take time to write letters, take time to come up. They'll remember when it's your birthday, send a birthday card, do you know what I mean? But guys don't really do that, do you know what I mean? They're doing their thing, you know, and you kind of find out who your friends are in jail. Did they bring you any goodies in? I never did visits, like, so I was never that, like, not to say it's, like, stupid or nothing like that, but I would never do visits myself, get myself caught like that. Mm. That wouldn't, that don't make no sense to me. So what I would do is someone that is willing to do visits, but they can't necessarily get the things. I'd buy bits and pieces and give it to them to um, bring in on, on the visit. And then when it comes in, they'll get their portion and I'll get my portion. But I would never go and sit on the, I would never tell like my missus or any of my friends that, you know, come on a visit and risk getting yourself arrested, mm. trying to bring me something. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't do that to myself, but a lot of people did do it. 
Yeah. I saw a guy, his missus got arrested and he was just pissed off that the drugs hadn't got in. He didn't give a shit about his missus. Yeah, that's mine. Nice yeah. guy. That's, that's mine. Yeah. That's, that, that's very, like what you just said, like a lot of the guys is like, they don't really give a shit about the people bringing it in. Mm. But it's like, for me, like I'm a good, I'm really, I'm a good guy at heart, you know. That would play on my conscience, the fact that I got you in prison, you know, because I wanted whatever whatever and there's loads of ways to get stuff in jail like visits was like very minor do you know what I mean like there was other ways to get things in so so um, yeah I wasn't really I didn't really care much for visits mm. you had officers bringing things in you had parcels launched over the wall you know and I was going to ask what the guards are like there yeah guards are cool um, they're alright yeah Norwich was very racist. Corrupt? Yeah. The corrupt ones are the cool ones, man. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're literally cool. Like, and I wouldn't say they're corrupt, but like, some guards are like, some screws. Do you know what it is? It's different. Like, we'd have to get into this sentence because back then, a lot of the officers were like ex-army. They were shitbags, you know, they was proper arseholes, you know. Um, and they'll batter you as well. They'll still batter you today, but they used to, like, they'll batter you, you know, and get away with it. Um, and they'll be like five on one, six on one, and they'll just, they'll batter you. But it was more, like I say, on this sentence, like what I just came out for when I saw a lot of corruption because it's a lot of, nowadays, it's, they're employing anyone. Do you know what I mean? Like ex-Tesco workers, if you apply for a prison job, you're gonna get it. You don't need you don't need much. Like there was eighteen year olds banging me up and that. Was it, what was it? Scott said um, Scott does sport. Yeah. So it was like a simple bleep test to get in. <laughs> that is it. Yeah, they no do bleep tests. Yeah, they so don't. No, they don't like. You know, it's very easy, man. They're very slow. Some of them, like I said, they, you got eighteen year olds, man, in adult prisons locking you up and. A lot of them, like you got a lot of young girls as well that are just impressionable. They end up falling in love and they end up bringing in parcels or whatever. Like they get coerced into bringing shit in. And you got guys like, because prison wage, the wages in prison are like, shit. I swear it's like just above minimum wage. So I'm sure they're getting like under two grand a month. I think it's 17 grand a year. Maybe. Yeah, so that's shit in itself. Starting. Like, yeah, this is small money. So if if you're if you're getting offered like a grand to bring in a parcel a week, you know, you might bring it in a couple of times a week, then you're going to take that, you know. So there's a lot of screws bringing parcels in and stuff. And there's also a lot of officers like I found that was cool when they would tell you, look, the wing's going to get spun, make sure your things are away. And or like say, there's a few times where I had my phone on charge and like an officer's doing checks, like they've gone into my cell and they're like, come in the bar or put that away kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah, there's like, yeah, there's some cool ones and, you know, some that I just do their job. Um, there's people that are jobs worse that mm -hmm. just really take it seriously and some just want to get paid. They don't really, they just turn a, turn a blind eye to everything. And there's um, some that I actually want to get involved and want to make some extra money course we've had a few interviewed on here Is it? yeah yeah lee davis shout out um, <laughs> so coming out of that sentence what was your plan yeah what was your plan coming out no plan man just get back to it 
you know, like I said, I was young. Um, We're going to go after the snake. Yeah. Oh, he went missing. I went back to the spot looking for him. He stopped selling there. And then it just turned into like, shit just kind of went there. Like, it was so organized at first. And then when I came out, they ended up, I don't know who he told or like, they ended up being like loads of different people. Like now there was people from South, East, people from Birmingham coming up there. And like, you know, I remember when I first came out and I went back there, like my line was doing like 700 pound a day. And I was like, what is going on? Do you know what I mean? So, um, some things happened. Like this is straight away as well. Like some things happened. I ended up getting involved in some things. And then I actually got arrested um, for robbing, robbing two dealers. And it was called aggravated burglary. They charged me for. And um, after that Aggie burglary, we ended up beating the case because the users came forward and they was like, yeah, he came in, he robbed, he robbed our laptop, money, things like that. None of these things were taken. And all they had to do was just admit that they was users and they was involved in the drug things like, and they didn't, they was just like, no, we've never been involved in drugs. We're just civilians. And they was known to police to be a drug house. You know what I mean? My, um, my defense was, um, that I was up there. I was taking drugs myself, whatever, whatever. And I was like, I've just gone to the house cause they, they, they things, but like I, I'd not taken anything, whatever. And it didn't even get to trial because they was deemed un in incredible, like not credible kind of thing. And the case got thrown out, but because I was on license, I ended up spending the rest of my license, um, spending, yeah, spending the rest of my license in prison. How long was that? Two years, well, just under two years. Do you know what I mean? Which prison was that? Oh, Sorry, I forgot to mention. It was probably just over two years because I did actually get done for taking off. So on my way back to London, the drug dealers had called the police, which is crazy. When I saw the CAD report, it was like, yeah, they'd called and they was like, we're hiding on the roof because they actually, they got into the loft and got on top of the roof. And they was like, yeah, we're, um, we're on top of the roof. People are trying to rob us, whatever, whatever. So then when I went, Back when I went for the drive back to London, police had put their sirens on. I took chase. And it was like a long chase down the motorway, um, throwing out things out the window and things <laughs> like that. <laughs> and then when the chopper came out, that's when I kind of knew we're not getting away yeah, from yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. And then we got nicked in the field somewhere. And then my two coldies got bail. And I got remanded or recalled back to prison. So, yeah. And, and then, so they ended up only doing me for dangerous driving or something like something of the sort, not stopping dangerous driving. And they kind of added that to my license. So I ended up spending about two years, I think, oh, wow. um, on that one. Yeah. Which prison did you start? Norwich again, because it was in that area. Yeah. So I got remanded to Norwich. Was it how you remembered it? Yeah, yeah, oh, he's yeah. back. Yeah. Back again. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Like I was back there, but this time more confident. Um, you know, um, 
but after that I went Wayland um, and I don't know where else I went I think I went Peterborough as well in that sentence and then yeah that was just like did that and then came out again and how old are you at this point? I think I came out 24 24 so I started this all when I was like 20 and I was going um, little little tiny stints when I was like um, late teens um, so I'd come out now and this time I'd kind of wised up I, I hadn't gone back to that place <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I didn't go back to um, to the countryside but um, I'd met some people in prison had a good link for weed and I kind of thought to myself you know I'm not dealing with hard drugs anymore Um I came to a realisation that putting, giving people these drugs, I used to justify it by saying, if I don't sell the drug, someone else is going to sell it, you know, so whatever. But I then realised in prison that it's, 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 a, it's a really bad thing that I'm doing, you know, selling hard drugs because you can see what effect it's having on, on the people, on the community, you know. So I kind of had a conscience there and stopped selling hard drugs. Then I got into just selling weed again, like, you know, because everyone smokes weed, (laughs) you know. It's not one of them drugs that's going to make you have to go out and do robberies to to get the money, do you know what I mean? Or burglaries, it's it's just weed, isn't it? But us, you get get like a slap on the wrist or whatever for it, like you don't, you're not getting in much trouble. But if you do it on a decent enough scale, you can make like a grand per box, do you know what I mean? Per kilo. Like if you just sell it whole, you're getting it cheap. So I just thought to myself, I'm just going to do that. So I kind of got into the weed thing when I got out. Um, But these times I'm like gambling. Like I got back into gambling again. And before I was involved in gambling, but because of prison, I, I kind of stopped it. So I got back into gambling. Losing. Is it a casino? Bookies, man. I did. I went casino a few times, yeah. but casino you can lose loads of money, like because there's no limits. And the bookies at the time it was like a hundred pound a spin. So, you, so if you lose, you lose a hundred pound. It's the maximum you can lose. Um, per spin. Now it's like two pound a spin. I don't know. I haven't been there since I've come out. I've just never go back to that place again. But um, yeah. Was in the was it gambling? Had gambling problems, you know. I never knew I was um, addicted or anything like that, but I soon realised, like, yo, I'm actually addicted to this shit. Do you know what I mean? So, making money, selling weed, and gambling at the same time, and then, like I said in the story when I used to lose um, a long time ago before this, I'd lost 10, 10 grand in a day and I ended up robbing a bookies and getting like 11 grand back. Grand it's, profit. Yeah, grand profit, <laughs> yeah. And this was a long time ago. So when I started losing again, I just kind of got to like robbing them, robbing the bookies. And I just thought, I used to justify it in my head like, these guys are legitly robbing people. If you look in the poorest areas, you, you've got like an influx of like 
Everywhere, Bakers, yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? But mm. then if you go to like in London, if you go to like the city or like Chelsea or like the nice parts, you don't see bookies, you know. Mm. So I just feel like I've got my my conspiracy hat on, and I was just like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, these lot are they're they're really robbing us, you know. So I just kind of felt that as justification to like rob them, kind of thing. Was it easy to rob them? Yeah, very easy. Not to say to do it like this isn't this is twenty twenty two man. This I was robbing these long time ago. But did you use a weapon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. every time because. So the first one I did, I did it because they didn't have no screen. And I remember like the first time I did it, like I was just trying to was gassing myself up. I was like, yeah, I got, I got someone to take me to where it was because I did it out of town. And he took me there. And I remember I just leapt over. I went, I just kind of slid over the counter, took him to the safe, took everything. And then kind of got out, went to my car and I'd been back in the um, in the guy's house who who kind of showed me where it was kind of thing before. So he walked me there and I got back before he was able to walk back. I was back there counting money and he was like, well, you, you're back already kind of thing. Like I, I, I've never spent more than 30 seconds in the bookies, um, you know, and it was just like, I did it myself a few times. I did it with some other people. Um, and one person would probably hold the door and I would um, be at the front and I'd say like, you know, put the money in the bag or whatever, whatever. Sometimes I would use imitations, um, firearms, like, you know, not real guns. And other times there'll be other things used, you know what I'm saying? Um, like there was one time when there was one time when we had gone quite far to do one, me and my mate, and we forgot the thing. <laughs> and it was just a quick improvisation, yeah, like got a sock. <laughs> um, there was a, you know, the, the jerry cans, yeah. you know, the nozzle bit is kind of bendy. Kind of put that in a sock and then wrapped a bag around that and just pointed it and just said, put the money like there's been loads of like imp- one step away from a banana yeah <laughs> <laughs> literally yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah wow so there's been like yeah the, yeah it's like you know there's there's been a few like yeah that, I mean yeah. what's going through your head while you're doing this are you shitting yourself that they might fight back nah there was one case when someone tried to fight back and it wasn't even the people. It was like someone that was just some hero that mm. was gambling. He's losing money, man. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? But there was one case where, um, and at this point, like, I actually had a, a, a real thing on me. Do you know what I mean? But he had to try, he tried to throw a bin at me. Like he threw a bin on me. Like while I was in the safe, bent down in the safe, like I had a bin come over on my head <sighs> kind of thing. And then I just kind of got up and, as soon as I got up and he saw me just run out of the shop. But like I say, there's been times where I've done it because I'm not in there like, give me the money. Nobody me. I'm not like that. Uh, I'm super quiet, you know, like, I don't know if you can notice my personality. I'm very, very laid back, very calmly spoken. Can we, so. can we do a bit of role play? I'm a bookie 
and you're you're robbing me. How you'd speak? Say, put the money in the bag. You no, know? sorry. <laughs> No, they wouldn't say that because there's a gun produced. You know what I'm saying? They'll, they'll, they'll be like, I'd, I'd have the thing there. There's been a lot of times where I've gone in and I've come out and no one even knew it got robbed. Like a lot of the times that's happened. Aren't they told just to hand it over anyway so yeah. they don't get shot? Of course. Yeah. No, like it's not their own money. So they get insurance yeah. then and all that. They're insured. They're and trained. Did you know that piece of information? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, there's been like, yeah, I can't really get into certain things, but. I knew a lot about what goes on inside of the bookies, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I knew what days to get on, you know, where the mo- when there will be the most money, when they're not banking, when they are banking kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, there was a bit, yeah, it was all right and it was quick, you know. It's adrenaline. It, you, did, you do have adrenaline, but at the same time, you just do it so smoothly, you go and don't make a noise, like you just, do it and then you walk out and then when you come out you're still walking you don't have to run until you've maybe hit the corner then you can run off or whatever but you don't bring attention to yourself and yeah that's how I used to do it anyways what about the first time you got caught I got caught actually not even doing anything like so (laughs) that's not it that's what they say like some one of my friends told me like he was like bro when when you actually get nicked it's just gonna be the weirdest thing like do you know what I mean because you think you're going to be nicked on scene or whatever but um, I was actually chilling in the car with my co-defendant at the time and we had the flying squad onto us so they was already on to us kind of thing I, I was none the wiser and I was just chilling in the car and they had just pulled up on us, like, don't move, da, 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 pulled out their arms and then dragged us out of the car. And then they said that we was planning to rob a bookies then. But that wasn't actually the case. But they said, because there was, there's bookies everywhere where we are, but it was a bookies like local. And it was like, yeah, we was planning to rob this bookies. And then they brought all these charges. They brought all these charges to us. And because like certain cars was used so because they can only re- they only really had evidence on one of the cars and that was the car that I was in at the time they can only charge us with four four bookies mm. so we only got done for four which was which was a touch really do you know what I mean so that's how they got you on the vehicle yeah so the AMPR of the vehicle never ever never ever saw my face never saw Never used phones, never none of that stuff, you know. Um, but it was the AMPR of one of the cars that was um, there. I, I happened to be in it, you know. But that was like a car that had only been used a couple of times. Do you know what I mean? And there was different cars, you know. And that's they tried to charge us on all these before, but like the only ones that stuck, because the only evidence they had, like my case ended up becoming a circumstantial case. So it ended up being like, well... He's in this car. Does it make make him do it? Yeah. So yeah. It so even like two of the charges wasn't actually me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So it was like, but it was kind of like, well, it could be a lot worse. So it is what it is kind of thing. But, you know, um, and it wasn't my cold either. So one time my cold was actually on the phone to his missus. 
at the time that one of these robberies are happening. It was his missus's birthday. And that was his alibi. Like, look, I'm, I'm in the cell sites putting me in touch. They didn't even, the, the prosecution didn't even use cell site because it worked against them because no cell site put us on the scene. In fact, it actually helped my cold D because he was on the phone to his missus on her birthday at the time. And then they said that, um, oh, you know, he had got someone to make that phone call um, and it wasn't actually him on the phone. So the jury believed that and we got found guilty on on that charge, but we didn't actually do it. The, the gunman, the actual gunman was like six foot one. I know who he is personally. Do you know what I mean? He's like six foot one. He's about 18 stone, black guy, hench, you know, and I'm slim, mixed race. Do you know what I mean? Mm. He was left-handed. So he, even like my defense was like, look, the gun's in his left hand. Like I'm right-handed kind of thing. Did they have CCTV? Yeah. And when I went on the stand, I was like, this can't be me. Look, he's dark skinned. And they said, you know, the CCTV, don't watch it. Cause like, you know, the coloring, like the coloring can change. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause the pixelation, the, the prosecution was really good. This was in the old Bailey. So they had good prosecutors, you know? And then there was no prints on, on the gun. There was like, you know, they had, end, um, the flying squad had made so many mistakes. So we thought it was going on. Like we thought we had the trial, like we thought we'd done it. And they, and the fact that my Cody was on the phone, you know, and the guy, one of the guys was like this big black guy like you know I thought yeah we've got a we've got a we've got a bust this case kind of thing but we didn't like jury came back and it was like yeah guilty mm. and I was like shit how long did the trial go on at the old Bailey <laughs> just under four weeks four weeks wow yeah wow. it's a long trial man and what Super. were the jurors like oh that was a piss take as well <laughs> <laughs> so because it was in the old Bailey and some of these robberies happened like in, you know, more ethnic areas in London. So they was like, oh, if you're from Enfield, put your hands up. If you're from Tottenham, put your hands up. If you're from this area, put and then they dismissed all of them. And then, you know, all the Asians or blacks that they all went, do you know what I mean? And then it was just city folk <laughs> after that. Like it was just the people from, from the city where the old bit and Dave was all in the, um, in the jewelry and yo, he was guilty, man. Do you know what I mean? They, they did not, you know, yeah, yeah, we didn't stand a chance, mm. but I still tried it because, like, we knew that we didn't, we hadn't done, do you know what I mean? Some of them, but then at the same time, after everything, I just kind of thought, like, I needed to sit down and take a break from what I'm, like, you know. What was the remand like? Remand was Belmarsh, so that was horrible. I was remanded to Belmarsh, I was like, category A prison, or prison. And I was there at the same time as the um, Hatton Garden robbers. So I got called cool, cool with all of them guys. And there was loads of high profile. What were they like? Oh, they're cool, man. They're so, do you know what I mean? I was cool with some guy called Danny. And um, he was like super cool. He was from like Enfield, Tottenham ways anyway. So we just kind of got along. But they was treated like, they was category A prisoners. So they had to wear like red, um, like a red bib when they went on visits and stuff like that. But yeah, and they were saying things like, 
you know, because I used to say to him, look, they're making these things about it, their shows about you and stuff like you getting any money. And it was like, nah, I'm not getting no money and things like this. So yeah, we would speak and that and, you know, they would say things like, you know, uh, you got um, just the p- type of p- things, the type of moves they would do and, you know, what other things that they're getting, uh, that they're trying to bring to them, which has now been done. Like they've got like further arrested for other things. I think like, one of them's dead, I'm sure. Like one of them had cancer when I was there, and he was basically barely living. Like you know, and yeah, there was a there was the grinder killer. He was I don't know. You heard of him? Yeah. Who? The grinder killer. What did he do? He, well, was he, he killed? But... He he was killing like he was meeting gay people on the grinder app. Oh, grinder. Yeah. yeah. And he was killing them, but he was a vulnerable prisoner, so he he was on the vulnerable side. But we used to see him and that um. From our gate, we can see them, the East Enders killers, and that like, both of them was on the same wing. Like, so I think two people was involved in, like, there was these two East Ending killers, and they was both on the same VP wing. Mm. And you see, like, yeah, you do see a lot of high-profile prisoners there. The owner of Lyco Mobile was was on the same wing as me. What did he go in for? Can't remember. Fraud. Mm. Fraud. Got eight years for fraud. What? He was like the richest, like obviously. Why is he offrauding? I think it was. I don't know. You have to Google that. Like, mm. yeah, you just Google it after that. Yeah, yeah. Julian Assange is in this prison right now. Is he? Belmarsh. Yeah. Oh, is he? Mm-hmm. Mm. I think that's horrible what they're doing to him. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So, what was the atmosphere in there like versus Norwich? Um, he's very different, man. Serious prisoners, man. Do you know what I mean? A lot of people, very sad, you know, because um, there was, so my cellmate at the time, so these times I was uh, medium risk in prison. So my, me and my Cody was banged up, but in Belmarsh you got three man cells. So me and my Cody was banged up with someone that was in a murder charge. And, you know, it was sad because he was going on trial and then, like, one day he's just come back, like, bro, they found me guilty. And then he's, like, and then he's gone for sentencing. He's come back. He's, like, 25 years. And, like, this guy's our age, man. Do you know what I mean? I was 24 at the time. 25, maybe. I don't know. Did he do it? I don't want to comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, his thing was actually joint enterprise, which mm. I speak a lot about. So he didn't necessarily do it, man. It's like, messed up, isn't it, John yeah, Enterprise? Exactly. He didn't do it, but he was there. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And he was found guilty with um, his coldies. And yeah, he got 25 years. And just seeing him come back here, yeah, life lost, you know? Because could you imagine like being 25 and then you know you're coming out when you're 50 minimum? It's like... It makes you appreciate your 10, because I got 10 years basically from what I did. Mm. And I just like, wow, shit can be a lot worse, man. Did you know you were facing 10 years when the trial was... No. Um, what no. did you think you were going to get? I don't know. Like, he was like, when the judge was handing down a sentence, he was like, count one, six years, count two, six months. Count three, eight years. Count four, eight months. 
Good trying to work it out in your head. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> like, because my family and that was in the public gallery and they was like listening to all these years be handed mm. down. Yeah. And it was like, I think it was count five, 10 years, count six, 10 months, count seven, eight years, count eight, eight months. So it was eight counts in total. And the months was for imitation firearm and the years was for the actual robbery. And all in total, I don't know, it's over 20 years, do you know what I mean? But my solicitor told me that they run it concurrent to the highest sentence. So basically, the highest out of the counts was 10 years. So everything runs concurrent to that, if that makes sense. So you just do 10 years, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I was, I was like, the judge's remarks was like, oh, you're 25 right now. Uh, you're going to come out when you're more mature. Hopefully you would have figured shit out, basically. And then I just knew in my head that it was like, I'm coming out when I'm 30. Do you know what I mean? How did that make you feel? Oh, I can't lie. I was devastated, man. But I knew, I just knew I had to do time, man. But I was hoping on maybe eight, eight years, D4, maybe come out when I'm like 28-ish, you know. Still got my 20s. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But, um, because I'd never, never had a birthday or Christmas, um, outside. In your 20s? In my 20s, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, bro, I was just, I was like, yeah, I'm coming out. And, you know, when you're 24, I was at the time I was 25, I got arrested at 24. 30 just sounds like a, so old. old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does, isn't it? Like, it sounds so old. I'm 31 now. And it's like, you know, 30, like, 30's the new 20, man. Do you know what I mean? It's good fun, isn't it? Yeah. I love my 30s. Yeah. So, Can you remember yours? That was way back. <laughs> my 30s were mostly in prison. Oh, yeah. shit, yeah. 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 How old were you when you went 33. into prison? My age? Mm -hmm. And how old were you when you got out? 40? 30, 39, 40. Yeah. Oh, man. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you should, glad you're out for your 30s, Dad, not that way around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so where were we? Belmarsh. Oh yeah, Belmarsh. Um, yeah, so I landed in Belmarsh and three people in the cell. Oh, three people in the cell. Yeah, and um, yeah, man, I saw my friend come back with life sentence, and that was like it's when reality kind of hits you, and like just knowing that these people are about to like for this lifestyle people are spending the rest of their life in and then you see things like them lose their friends like so they're not able to get help from the outside people are kind of forgetting about them and you've basically given your life for this thing for the roads or whatever and I just kind of like started to see through everything like the road life it was like and I was seeing like kids you know 18 year olds come in murder sentences you know, and when you get a murder sentence, you have to do all of the sentence, do you know what I mean? And I just, yeah, I just got a real insight into like, into like where things end up going if you if you stay on this path kind of thing. How long did it take into that sentence for you to start to get the insight? That was straight away because Belmarsh was my first, I spent like a year in change in Belmarsh, so... That was my first, I was in Thameside for like a few weeks and then from Thameside, 
went to the Old Bailey and from the Old Bailey you go to Belmarsh that's the local prison from the Old Bailey so yeah when I went to Belmarsh yeah I was just seeing some people's situations and it was just yeah it was horrible man so so you'd say it was the wake up call you needed yeah I would say it was definitely a wake up call because you know people from my area like people that were just like me you you know, you go on the road, you have your little gang beefs or whatever. And it, it is serious, like your friends die and you feel like you need to do something about it. But it's like, yo, when you get caught and you're doing, a, you're having to sit down for life, it's just, it's just a different thing, man. I'm, I'm seeing people snitch, like, you know, I'm seeing like, like, like my cellmate, for example, he had six cold D's. And two of them ended up snitching. And one of them that snitched, like, because they had the story, uh, with, like the, with the main guy, he he wrote up the story, the alibi, gave the message over in church, like, this is the story, whatever, whatever, because he's cold, he's on other wings. And then they went to court. And then one of the guys, like, brought the letter to court, like, yo, that this is their story, this is their alibi, he'd given it to me to, um, do you know what I mean, I wasn't involved, so he just straight snitched, and he ended up getting a life sentence anyways, so he snitched and ended up getting life sentence on the joint enterprise. Snitches get stitches. And he, yeah, he got cut as well, straight away. (laughs) When When he came back, they saw each other on the walkway, and he got cut in his face, straight away. Literally. Wow. Yeah. What other acts of violence did you see in Belmarsh? Um, do you know what? Belmarsh is like so high security. Yeah? They are quick, man. Like they're quick. Like when it comes to responding to violence, do you know what I mean? So Belmarsh wasn't really most of the, like, Belmarsh wasn't really where I saw most of the violence, but a lot of people got battered in cells. I saw a few hot waters, um, a few cuttings, but like, you know, some, they stopped. So <laughs> there was like, someone got cut with a tuna can and then they started doing something where you have to open your can at where the server is and then leave your, so there's only, they don't, they don't, didn't sell can openers or nothing like that. You had to go to the server get it opened and then throw your can away at the bin over there. Um, and then they started doing things like if you use the razor, you have to use your ID, you get a prison ID, give them your ID, they'll give you a, a razor to shave. When you finish shaving, before you can get your ID back, you, um, you need to give in the razor because a lot of people get the razor, break it up and turn it into a shank. Of course. So, they was really on it, man. And if a fight broke out, they'll be on the wing 30 seconds, man, like with the big dogs and that, you know. They got like these big Alsatians, uh, German Shepherds, and they would, they would, they, they react really quick, man. Do you know what I mean? They don't muck about. They don't, no, they don't play about, man, in no. Belmarsh. A lot of the violence comes from the prison officers. In what so, way? like, they'll batter you, man. They'll batter you. Like, you see the geezer that, um, that had chopped off Lee Rigby's head? Oh yeah, he got battered by the officers in there. He lost all like his, his teeth. teeth out and everything. Yeah, he lost all his teeth. He got battered in the block. Um, 
there was a um, time when one of the senior officers was banging everyone up, but he's got an attitude problem. He's on a power trip. Um, I think he was in the Iraq war or something like that. He, he's one of these officers. And then he's telling telling this kid, this kid's like 18 years old. He's like, oh, he's saying in a disrespectful way, like get behind your door. And the kid's like, yeah, but why do you have to speak to me like that? And he's like, get behind your door. And everyone's like watching it. Do you know what I mean? So this kid feels the need to like bang out. So the kid like, and this kid's small, he's tiny. The officer's like big and built. And the kid throws a punch. He quickly gets like, he quickly gets like put down. Obviously they press a button and then all the screws run on. So they've um, got him in a star shape where they've got his legs touching his bum and his arms behind his back. So he's mm. just like, he's just fully um, contained, yeah. And then the SO was just grabbing his head and just smashing it off the floor and like kept banging it repeatedly. And no one could really do anything about it because there's so many officers. And and then when you, um, if you say you complain about that shit, nothing happens, you know, the CCTV's not working, da 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 da, da like all of these things. So yeah, they do, like a lot of the violence comes from officers mm. in prison. They say that about Cate prisons, don't they? They're generally less fights. Because the because, consequences are more severe because it's yeah. the more serious. Yeah. Wow. It's more serious. Mm. I, I would say in the higher securities, the violence is worse, but it's less often. Yeah. But yeah. when it does happen, it happens. Like, when the cat sees, like, you get fights all the time, break out, but it's like, you know, someone got punched up, someone probably got maybe cut or something like that. But in the higher securities... It's like someone's been stabbed the fuck up. Like, do you know what I mean? He's, he's been stabbed up or he, he's been chopped up and or like he's been tortured there for hours kind of thing. Like it does get really bad in, in the high securities. Mm. So I got 10 years and I ended up in high securities. So in Norwich then, you said you had to get your hustle on to get by because you didn't have anyone supporting you. Mm. You've had your epiphany now this time around about that lifestyle do you still feel you got to get some kind of in the mix somewhat to get by or did you? Yeah, I had to, man. Yeah. That's why, yeah, that's why I was in the mix of things, man. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because I'm spending the next five years here yeah. in prison. No one's supporting you. You need to support yourself kind of thing. Was that a lot harder though in the cat Nah, because like, <laughs> <laughs> nah, because you see, cat A's, yeah, you got like not. I wasn't in cat A's, so I was in Belmarsh. That was a cat A, but after when I got sentenced, I was sent to a category B. Mm. And everyone with ten years and over goes to category B. Um, that's like the cutoff point, ten and over. And I actually had the smaller sentence in there. Do you know what I mean? Everyone else is doing like big ones. Which prison was this? Um, so Dovegate was the first one I went to. Dovegate is in Staffordshire. Um, private prison, which was decent. But um, a lot of people either doing life, IPP, or just big drug dealers, big sentences kind of thing. And yeah, in those prisons, it's like that's where you'd find the officers um, that was bringing in packs and stuff like that and there was a lot of like parcels coming over and there's a lot of money to be made from there. And because I'd say 
because people had been in prison for a long time that like you make a lot of money in prison so everyone's got everyone kind of had money you know like so it wouldn't be hard to sell something say you want to sell something for a few grand like the money would be in straight away kind of thing you know because wow. phones were going for like thousand fifteen hundred for a phone some cases like two grand if it was scarce like and people have the money to pay it do you know what i mean the money outside so is it going from street to street the money like outside person to outside person um like if your iou my girlfriend outside gives it your girlfriend outside something like that yeah yeah, or, yeah. usually no one meets anyone it's just bank accounts like mm. you know send you send like give me the account details send the money when when i get the confirmation it's in you get whatever you wanted like whatever you ordered if it was a phone or tobacco because tobacco got made illegal so that was kind of on the black market weed whatever things like that was dove gator you said yeah yeah, was that quite a violent place yeah yeah it was violent there was definitely violence there um stabbings um someone had like a weight thrown on their leg and it snapped like oh. in the gym, like their their fire bone, and it was like a twenty k disc, like a twenty kg disc. Yeah, it was kind of mad. Um, but yeah, there was a bit of violence there. But like I say, in these prisons, like because people had like a lot of people there in life, a lot of people on like don't can't really see the end of the tunnel, so like they ain't really got much to lose. Do you know what I mean? But everyone's very respectful, you know. If you're a respectful person, everyone's got to live here together. We're all doing a long time. Everyone's very respectful. There's a lot of morals, a lot of respect in these prisons. But it's like when it does go off, someone's done the wrong thing. It really does go off. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, there was a bit of violence there. But I wouldn't say, I would say the worst prison for violence was uh, Doncaster, when I went to Doncaster. And I'd been security moved out of Dovegate to Doncaster and a lot went on there. What like? Was it a bad atmosphere when you got the Yeah man. Oh. It was like got to Doncaster and it was like I remember because I was in the block before then, I was in the block for like three, four months, three months and change. And then they had shipped me out from there to go to Doncaster. And when I was in Doncaster, landed there, and this is way up north, yeah, coming out from London. And I remember hearing out the window, like, I thought it was the first night I came there, yeah, it was like people window worrying, like they're having arguments out of the window. And then this one guy was like, oh, I heard one guy shout out the window, you're, you're fat, you're this, and you're black. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and he said it's so brazen, but where are, where are prison that I come from, you could never say that and get away with it. Like, you'd be in trouble the next day, mate. But it was just normally said out the window. So I was like, right, I'm out of my element here. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then the next day, come out of my cell, I just thought, saw like four guys bounce on the wing, not from this wing. They just came in the wing, saw someone they had beef with, like, and they all stabbed him up and then walked off the wing. Like, so the screw let them on and let them off the wing. Wow. So it was kind of like, that jail was definitely run by prisoners. 
a lot of stabbings were happening that wasn't going nowhere because they were so, it was so violent that I think if the governor reported everything, then you'd get shut down or something like that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but everything used to go under the radar unless somebody actually snitched and said, oh, well, he stabbed me up, which no one's doing. Mm-hmm. Like there was a lot of violence, a lot of stabbings. Were you not scared that you would get stabbed? Um, not necessarily because like... Um, I was already seasoned, man. Do you know what I mean? And I'd got involved in a lot of shit in that prison. I got down, like, straight away, like... I can't really go into all of that stuff yet, but... Yeah, I got down straight away. So it was, like, straight away, after a few... After a bit of work, like, they... I I wasn't... Like, I had respect in it, do you know what I mean? Like, people talked to me, do you know what I mean? And I was, yeah, putting in a bit of work. And, you know, at this point, because I'd been in prison for a while, I think I'd, I'd been three, three, three years deep into my sentence. I had like what's called a gigajuke. Um, and it's like you can save music onto the stereo. It's a, This is a stereo that goes for like two, three grand. Like it's hard to get. They've banned it in loads of prisons. And... Um, I had like a, a, a DVD player that also stores like videos in it. So I had all the box sets, like the powers, Breaking Bad, all of these things in it. And like, you know, I knew I was, would have been a target coming with these things. And you can only get them from high security prisons. But because I was moved to Doncaster, which is a Roman prison, you know, not a lot of people had these types of things. So I, I knew that I'd be a target, especially because I got a phone straight away. But yeah, it was because something situation happened with the phone and yeah, had to kind of get down. And um, and then I, I think that's where I kind of got a bit of respect there. But I, I got my nose broken in that prison, you know. So yeah, yeah, it goes off, like it goes off. But that was just like a, like a one-off. Like, and then what happened after that, something happened, which I can't really talk about. And then I got security moved from that prison. And they sent me to another prison called Loudoun Grange in, in, it's another B-cat in Nottingham. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, there was a bit of violence there, but it was better living. I saw, like, I met loads of friends there and everything like this. And, yeah, that was, um, that was all right as well. It wasn't too bad. A lot of people, like I say, a lot of people doing a long time, doing life, um, so, yeah. Going back a bit then, you said you did three or four months in the block at one point, two prisons back. Yeah. Why had you ended up in the block? So there was an officer um, bringing in parcels and one day I was with um, a few of my friends in healthcare, you know, because I was um, I had a bit of tobacco and I was giving some to my friend and we linked, we met up in healthcare. So I'd be like, yeah, I'm going healthcare. You go healthcare. I'll give you some tobacco, whatever. <clears throat> and then from the window, I'd seen like one of the people that was kind of involved with it getting marched off in handcuffs. Then I seen another person that was involved in it getting marched off. And then while I was in healthcare, I'm watching all this from healthcare. And then um, they've opened the door healthcare. They've called my name. 
then I come out. But these times I had the, the pack on me. So I kind of like, just kind of flicked it out behind me. My, my um, Cody picked up. And yeah, they put me in handcuff. They like bend your head down. So like you're kind of walking like that, like with your head down, your hands handcuffed. And they walk you to the block. And the governor of security was like, oh, what's going on? Like, tell us what's happening, basically. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I just... I might smoke weed now and again, but like, I'm a consumer. Do you know what I mean? I'm not. I'm not involved. And yeah, they ended up. The girl that was bringing in parcels, she ended up getting like three years, four months. She ended up getting in trouble. Um, I couldn't. They would didn't really link me to. They couldn't really link me to it because I wasn't directly dealing with the girl. Do you know what I mean? And. Um, yeah, we, he was like, the governor of security was like, you're going to do, you're going to spend Christmas down there. Because I thought like, I'd probably be here for a few weeks. And yeah, ended up spending three months, three months and change down there, coming out um, like about two stone lighter. Do you know what I mean? It was bad because there was people that was like, you know, going on visits, getting parcels, getting nicked, going blocked, doing their like 21 day CC, going back to the wings and coming back and then, I would still be there, there in the block do you know what I mean yeah. what is the block like so it's like you get nothing it's just like a bed and I think after a certain amount of time they give you a radio but I never got a radio so not in the prison that I was in they don't give radios it was just straight you could get a newspaper like an old newspaper probably do Sudoku's or Sudoku's yeah, yeah. Um, they will allow you to go and get a book read books in the library and stuff like that, but you get nothing else. How did you pass your time? Um, so every time someone came down to the block, we'd speak out of the window. Um, but yeah, you're literally 23 and a half hours a day, you're, you're in the cell. Doing push-ups or anything? Yeah, push-ups. Um Cause that's what that Bronson does, isn't it? He he spends a lot of time working out in the block. But I was just like, I was just waiting for my boss to take me out of there because they told me it's going to be a security move. They're not going to allow you back in the prison because because obviously I've been there'd been like corruption of staff or whatever. So I knew it was going to be. I was just waiting for a bus, but no buses. Some some of the prisons don't like to take people from the block, so they would swap one of their blocks for one of our blocks kind of thing. So they would wait for like, a, so I was waiting for a long time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And then they review you every like 28 days or every 14 days. You see like a healthcare nurse, and they assess your men mental state. But it don't matter how bad your state is, you know, that you're staying down there. Like I was hearing people get battered down there, people screaming because the officers were just coming. Cause people can't take the block. They're kicking at the door. They're going mad. They're screaming. They're doing anything because they're just going insane. Because it's like 23 and a half hours, you're just in your cell with nothing, just a bed. Do you know what I mean? Did you read any books or anything? Yeah, loads of books, man. What sort of ones? What are they called now? Like crime books. Um, you know, um, I read the Bible, you know. Um, yeah, just books. I was going through books like, like nothing I was just going through books and then eventually after like a month it just becomes normal do you know what I mean and 
when you get released from the block, it's like you're getting released out of prison. Do you know what I mean? Of course. Yeah. It's a prison within a prison. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Got released out of the block and then didn't get released, got transferred from the block to Doncaster. Then after Doncaster, went to Loudoun Grange. And that was like another B cut and which was decent, you know, there was Loudon Grange was quite bad because um oh no, that wasn't Loudon, that was Dovegate. Dovegate, like there was times where I'd go to church and like while I'm in the line, security will come and grab me out of the line, mm-hmm. take me to reception, strip search me before I go into to church and to worship and that, do you know what I mean? So that was quite bad, like the, the security's quite high there. But yeah, Loudon was all right. Um, you know, just prison, innit? Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously a lot of fights go on, like, you, you make, meet some friends, things like this. And then the last thing that happened in Loudon was, well, I kind of moved from Loudon. Because like I said, like, every year you go for a, a, a category review to see if you can go from B-cat to C-cat. And I never, ever got it. So in Loudoun, officers came in on me for a search. And when they came in on me, they ended up battering me in the cell, you know. And the, um, one of the women was like screaming, like the dog handler, because the way they did it, they thought I was putting something in my mouth. So they've come in on me and they was like, oh, you know, they've ended up grappling me to the floor held my hands behind my back. One of them's got their foot on my head. The other one's like punching me in the face. And then they're choking me out. What? And then, because they think I've got something in my mouth. So they was choking me out. Um, and at that point I played dead. I just played dead. Like mm. I just kind of let my body flop here. Then they let go of me. How long did they take to let go of you? I c- couldn't tell you. Now. It was very, like, it was very, you know, if, if you can imagine like these officers coming in on you and battering you and stuff, everything kind of happens quick in your head. And yeah, they um, it was just, uh, they was punching me because I wouldn't, didn't go to the ground easily. And then when they got me in the ground and they carried on punching me in the face for me because they thought I had something in my mouth. And what they do, and it's not protocol, but they hold your windpipe so you can't swallow whatever they think you might have. Do you know what I mean? And when they come in, they come in on a military one. Uh, they're called DST, Dedicated Search Team. And when they come in, like they come in, because there's times when a search would happen and if someone's got something on them, they would just bank it, like pull it out of their backside. But they would do that quickly. Like you've got some bankers that can just, <laughs> just throw it. they got a loose horse, man. <laughs> you know I mean? Do you know what I mean? They would do it quickly. Mm. So they come in so quick and they come in at hours like six in the morning or they'll come in at uncertain hours like you, you just locked up, up and they'll just catch you like that. And yeah, they come in on me like that very quickly and they, they thought I'd put something in my mouth and they was choking me and then I just played dead. They let go of me and, but this was witnessed by quite a few people. Anyways, they didn't find nothing in my cell. Um, yeah, they didn't find nothing in my cell. Um, but one of the officers that had witnessed it, and I got along with this officer, he was like, no, nah, that's wrong, man. You know, he called the police. And so there's a police liaison officer from the prison. And he had, 
he had made that charge against the DST. So he was like, oh, these lot came in and there, they battered him. He didn't think. So he actually helped me out. He's, he's called, um, he's called Oscar One, I think it was called. And they've come down with cameras to take pictures of like, you know, the bruises on my face, the choke marks, things like this, things that they're not allowed to do. Um, and they didn't really have a leg to stand on because they didn't find anything. If they had found something, they could be like, oh, we had to use reasonable force to get the parcel or whatever they thought I had. And yeah, I had a case against them and I was going to sue the prison. And then I was going to like mental health. Um, so there's a like mental health unit. So I went there to like talk, like, you know, to say, look, I've got PTSD from this. They've, they've fucked me up every time I hear keys. Now, when you bust my door now, I'm up and I'm ready to go. Like when it shouldn't be like that, I should be like, you know, my door is open, go and, go and make my food or do what I'm doing. And as I started doing that, and then the case, I brought a case against the prison. They gave me my CCAT and then hmm. they got me out of the prison. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. then, yeah, in that case fell apart because uh, there was no funding for the case and they cut down a legal aid and whatnot. So yeah, that case ended up falling apart, but they gave me my CCAT and then I ended up going to category C prison with one year left wow. on my sentence. And which cat was this? HMP only. That's where I started Delinquent Nation. Because you started it from prison. Yeah, 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 yeah. Before we go there though, are we able to talk about the story of what, how you got your bro- nose broke? What that was about? Um, yeah, we can do that quickly. But I've had yeah. my nose broke. I've had my jaw broke. Mm. I've been cut, you know. Mm. I've been in a lot of um, situations, but a lot of it's sly, you know. Mm. So this one was, my nose broken was, it was a two on two. So that was just me being silly. Like I got involved in someone else's beef. He was like, we was coming off the exercise yard. <clears throat> and then B-Wing, I think we was on C-Wing, they was on B-Wing. So we're coming off the yard and we both meet up in the corridor. And then my brethren, like my, my friend from up there, he's got, they've got their own personal beef or whatever. He's like, oh, I'm going to set it on this guy. And I was like, cool, man, let's do it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And then the kids come out, he set it, his mate came out, I've set it. So we've ended up, we're, we're going at it in the corridor. The screws are pressing the response thing. Um, Shanks came out. Um, and while we're going at it, it ended up being some tumble situation. Like, you know, we was all on top of each other mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then there was a third guy that came out of nowhere and he booted me in the nose. Like, while, while I was on top of the other guy. And then my nose was like, my nose was that way. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I had to actually pop it back, man. Do you know oh. what I mean? But yeah, that happened. And then, um, you know, things happened after that. Like, serious things happened after that, you know. And that's why, um, that's why I had been security moved because, you know, some serious things happened after that, you know. Can you talk about the serious things? No. I, I can't, yeah, <laughs> no, because they didn't even, no one got charged. They just, oh. just kind of sent, this was Doncaster, I told you, the mad prison, like thing, things happened on camera, you know. And yeah, I can't really talk about that. But um, when I had the broken nose, like I had to, um, they just given me paracetamol. 
Do you know what I mean? My nose was literally derailed. It was off that way, yeah. How painful was it snapping it back? Because the adrenaline was still going, yeah. I was like, I've gone to my mate, like, look, just just do it. Do you know what I mean? And he's like, he's like, he's, he's, all, he's, all, he's all getting a bit nervous, yeah. So someone just told me, like, just put your hand on your eye and just break it back in it. Do you know what I mean? So I just kind of did that and I went bang and then broke it back. So it went straight. And then they don't give you like, because you know they're meant to put tape there or something, they don't give you nothing. So for, for a long time, I was just kind of holding my nose. Because I don't know if you can tell if it's broken now, but I kind of did a good job at I can't tell. Did a good job. Yeah. yeah. You did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> so I like, yeah, I held it there for a while. And um, and yeah, eventually it just heals itself. I had two black eyes. And because that, that was kind of peak, because after that I had to go to an, because things happened and whatnot, I had to go to another prison and I landed there with like two black eyes because when your nose breaks, you automatically get black eyes. Yeah, they take So it just looked like I just landed in prison looking like a victim. Do you know, <laughs> oh, shit. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But yeah, that that didn't, like, not, like no one really took the piss or nothing like that. Mm. So yeah, that was my nose breaking. <laughs> and then, yeah, there was other situations of violence. My jaw got broke. That was over nothing literally but there were some problems going on this guy is schizophrenic and um yeah it was just over some some silliness yeah but um i've woken up in the morning and i was speaking to this guy whether this guy's speaking to me and then i told him <clears throat> i'd said something to him yeah but then the officer comes over like they're about to lock us back up because in the morning they let you out to um, you know, clean your cell or have a shower or whatever. And then the officer came over and as I was talking to the officer, this guy, he was like a proper gym guy, whatever. He just slid me, do you know what I mean? Uh, he banged me in the jaw um, from, on the sly. I dropped over, got back up, grabbed my kettle, ran out there, tried to put the kettle over his head, all the screws got involved. And then he ended up going to the block. I told him, like, when I came back, I was like, just say we play fighting, you know, let's do this as soon as we get out. And then he ended up going to the block um, for protection, basically. And he mm. stayed down there and he never came out. Um, but yeah, they put some plates in my jaw. Yeah. But I was like, I, I never really got touched in jail like that. But every time it was, it was just over some sly shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. What's it like going to the hospital? Oh, they handcuff you. Yeah. And you're attached to officers. And yeah, so yeah, you're attached to officers. Everyone's looking at you, obviously. Don't know if you've ever been in the A&E and you've seen... Never say. I have no, no, You'd see like two, two officers, like one, you're handcuffed. You've got another set of handcuffs. That's handcuffed to an officer. And then there's another officer with the keys that's not handcuffed to you at all. So it's like if someone comes and tries to like get you out, that officer could run away with the keys kind of thing or, or whatever. But, you know, I've spoken to officers. I was like, what if I told my mate to come up here now and, and get, get he's like, I'll give, I'll give out the keys, man. So I'm not, like, yeah, I'm not wasting my life. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It, 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 they, they're not doing that. They're just doing their job in it kind of thing. How long were you in hospital for? A day. A day? Yeah, they just put plates in next day. Back in prison. And what was it like healing with a broken jaw in prison? Um, 
just normal, I guess. Because are you drinking out of a straw or something? No. Um, no. They did give me Ensure, um, which is like a drink milkshake. Do you know what I mean? But it was hard to eat, you know. But you just kind of just get on with it kind of thing. I was, I was shocked that it happened. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't... Like that was never supposed to happen kind of thing. But he just, like, like no one knew it was going to happen. It was just out of nowhere kind of thing. And, yeah, yeah, that's the most I can say on that. Okay. You know I mean? So the Delinquent Nation started from the prison then. You were like see. the first ever Podcaster person to be prison. broadcasting from prison. You were a pioneer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What yeah. gave you the idea to do that? So I was watching... Like um, prison documentaries mm. for my TV. <clears throat> Ross Kemp going into prisons, and then they was doing like different, different presenters going into prison, and they have their own narrative, you know, of how prison is and whatnot. And I know it's not like that. <laughs> they're know? not even staying in them. Yeah, they're not even staying in them. They're pushing okay. a narrative on it. It's all cleaned up before yeah. they come in. Yeah. And when people are speaking to um the camera and that they they put an act on do you know what I mean they tell you what to say not that they tell you what to say but I would say people are acting tough do you know what I mean people that would speak to the cameras and that they might be acting like this is how it is or whatever and then you know they would I don't know they sometimes glamorise certain bits and I just didn't like the narrative they was pushing because it wasn't the reality so came up with I've always had phones in prison I've always had smartphones in prison but I would just you know speak to the missus um, go on Instagram look at certain things on YouTube maybe pass the time and then these times I had a year left of uh, so I've spent four years already in prison I knew I wasn't getting my DCAT which is open prison so I said fuck it I'm just going to get people that want to tell their story, hmm. record them in the cell and put this out on YouTube, man. Do you know what I mean? And um, that's what I did. Like I started recording people, recording a couple of the guys and they're talking about how it really is. And then I was putting it out there for an insight and just to give the guys a voice platform. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, started putting it out screws got onto it really quickly <laughs> yeah really. so they started watching it started watching it like when they was locking up they'll be like what are you delinquents doing kind of thing <laughs> I'd never got myself on camera but my voice is quite obvious like so they knew it was me filming it's very distinct yeah they were saying we know it's you da, 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 but they they would never be able to they never got the phone off me do you know what I mean because I was quite smart with the phone <laughs> so they kept turning over my cell never finding anything. Um, and Do you leave it with another cellmate? I'd um, leave, another mate, should I say? Yeah, I would leave it in... There was a time, but how I was doing it, I was recording them, then I was dropboxing it to someone outside. So, because there was a time where I actually had a feeling in my gut, yeah, and I was like, look, they're, they're going to spin. Because sometimes I take the risk and I'll bang up with it for the night. And, you know, I might pull it in certain hiding spaces which I'm not going to talk about mm -mm. because I don't want to ruin it for the guys do you know what I mean but um, this one night I just had a gut feeling and I left it with someone that I'd interviewed 
and then that day they've come in like bam searched my cell I was lucky I didn't have nothing but then they actually searched the guy who I left it with his cell I don't know if they was watching the cameras and or watched where I went to before I banged up whatever cell I went to before I banged up but they searched his cell searched a few other guys and I was like yeah I've gotten away with it but when I heard this guy who I gave my friend who I let hold the phone for the night when I heard him getting searched yeah I was like shit they've got the phone but then after that I I just got another phone and just carried on they used to bring me down to the adjudication room where you sit in front of a governor and they would be like I'd be like look I don't know what you're talking about they'll be like look just stop uploading to YouTube like you know (laughs) 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 yeah just stop it like (laughs) you know um they was like, look, we'll leave you alone. You know, you don't have to keep coming down there, but just stop uploading. And yeah, I never did because I was like, look, you're giving me CCAT after four years. You, you're not giving me DCAT. I'm home in like six months now. Do you know what I mean? I'm just going to keep uploading. And then I just carried on uploading, man. How many were you uploaded a week, would you say? <laughs> Probably like one a week or like one every, one or, or one or two a month. You know, um, because um, it was hot, man. And then at a certain point, people didn't want to be recorded. Like so in the beginning, everyone wanted to, to do it. Everyone was just gassed. They wanted to come do an interview. But then where like all the screws had watched it and they knew they, was, they would be like talking to us about the videos. They would say to me like, when's the next episode coming out? Like, <laughs> swear down. Like, and it kind of got hot so it's like only certain people would do it after a while and then yeah I kind of slowed down um, and then there was a point COVID hit where um, everyone was banged up like 24-7 basically or 23 hours a day lock up and there was not there was only letting out a certain amount of prisoners at a time so I just wanted to enjoy my phone and like because I was locked up for so much I didn't want to be putting out episodes and then getting my phone taken like I was at my missus I wanted to speak to her because um, it was locked up most of the time so I wanted to keep my phone so I just stopped uploading and then when I c- came out obviously I'd already built a following from uploading to YouTube and then I was in like a halfway house it's called like an approved uh, premises I actually wanted to ask going back what was, were you aware of the reception on the outside of your YouTube channel while you were inside? What do you mean? Comments and stuff. No, not just at the comments, but like, obviously you're watching the views go up yeah. and people getting interested, yeah. talking about it. Were you aware of all this? Yeah, my, I was able to monetize from prison. Like, what? yeah, I was already, cause you know, you got the, um, <laughs> the criteria. <laughs> I didn't monetize it, but I was eligible and you need like, mm-hmm. is it four or 40,000 watching hours? I think it's four hours, 4,000 watching hours mm-hmm. and a thousand subscribers. And I was eligible for that, like from jail, you know, and I knew when I came out, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep carry on and get some YouTube money, get that Google check. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah when I came out I didn't really know how I was going to carry it on didn't know what a podcast was and but I was in an AP and then I did a live one time just talking to like people in the AP and like different prisoners and that's where I met Billy Miyagi as well mm. I know you've seen his episode mm-hmm. but 
We need to get him on. <laughs> yeah, he's got a sick story. Um, but I met Billy Miyagi in this halfway house, and I was like, um, went live and was asking him like the same questions I like, asked in jail. And then people was like, yeah, you should do podcasts, man. You should do a podcast da, 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 in the live comments. And I was like, I thought podcast was like radio. Do you know what I mean? And because that's what you used to hear, like, yeah, podcast and radio. So I was like, how? And then I had met up with someone called Inspire for Change. Uh, Gulad, we use good stuff. Oh, yeah, we've had Gulad on. Uh, you've had Gulad on. Shout out to Gulad. Shout out And Billy, if you want to come on, please. Yeah. <laughs> no, 100. Um, and then Gulad was like, he had a studio in South London and we had linked up and then we did an interview. So we interviewed each other. So I did my style of interview. He was kind of asking me questions and we split into two parts and he released one of his channel. I released one of my channel. And that was like the first podcast that I did. Did you enjoy it? I'm I'm very like uh, introverted, you know. So at first I was a bit. You can tell, like you can tell how I've progressed being on camera. Do you know what I mean? Because when I was in prison, I was always behind the camera, asking questions or whatever. But yeah, um, kind of got comfortable asking questions and that, and I found that all my guests are the people I know they opened up to me a lot because I'd gone through the same thing they're going through. Do you know what I mean? And we both can relate to a lot of things. I've been in the higher securities. I've kind of gone through a lot of the things. So, you know, when we're speaking about things, they're very flowy with it. Do you know what I mean? It's not no pressure. And then I kind of felt like I had a knack for it. You know, I was getting good comments. I thought, you know, ex-convicts, I'm just going to get a lot of hate, uh, a lot of civilians chatting shit about oh, why are you giving these lot of voice or whatever. But no one does give them a voice. No one does give them a platform. It's always like, and rightly so, you do hear from like the other side, but you never really hear this side of things. And sometimes I think it's important for kids to learn from um, people that's actually gone through it. Because the people that haven't gone through shit, and, and you're trying to tell someone like, you know, this is the wrong thing to do. No one's hearing that because you haven't gone through it. You don't understand. Do you know what I mean? And you don't understand there's a lot of circumstances involved in like, in you committing crime or you going down a bad road. Cause like I said, I was doing well. I had a scholarship, like, and then some, one thing happened. Bam. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's like things happen in people's lives. We don't know it. So it's like, I try to get everybody's life story and, you know, yeah, well, Sean started his uh, jail diary blog from prison, and I was saying, yeah, to him, you told me, yeah, yeah, you're like the modern day version, yeah, because you cooler. so many parallels, man. Yeah. yeah, you've done exactly the same here. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's brilliant. Which is, yeah, it's crazy, yeah. man. Because yeah, I did find out afterwards that you you mm. writing like a journal. My from... writing got smuggled out because we didn't have phones back then, and uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, my aunt took them and emailed them to my typed my email to my family. That's how it started, and the YouTube channel started, and then yeah. So, yeah. well, same mission, yeah, same, same mission, yeah, same mission. Getting the f- stories out for the fellas whose voices would never be heard. Yeah, no, yeah. I respect what you yeah. do, man. Yeah, you same. know, I've seen like yeah. seen a few of your things, man. And then you know, when I got into the world, that's when the algorithms was bringing me to channels like Sean's channel yeah. and, and things like that. I started seeing other people was doing it as well, mm. and I thought, yeah, man, more power to you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you, have you been trolled yet? 
course. Oh. <laughs> what course. do you think of the trolls? They're great, aren't they? <laughs> do you know what? When I'd first come out of prison uh-huh. and I was new to like, because obviously like in total I've spent 10 years in jail. So it's like technology wasn't really my thing. It's still not my thing. I don't have a team of people working for me. Like, so everything I, I kind of do, do you know what? I, I meant to release an episode like seven o'clock. Shit. <laughs> I forgot to do it. But <laughs> yeah. Shit, like, <laughs> it's my unlisted. I was meant to release it at seven o'clock. I'll probably do it off. I'm going to have to do it tomorrow now. Oh, bugger. But yeah, um, trolls, yeah. When I first came out, like, I'd get someone, like, say some bullshit and I'd reply to the comments, like, like you know, I'd, I'd be getting at them, like, and then I realised quickly, like, these are just kids, like, making up fake accounts to say what they want to say and stuff like that. Like, nah, to be honest, I get a lot of positive comments, you know, I get a lot of people that support what I do. People from probation, people that work in TV, a lot of people that watch my shit, they're just like, they respect what I'm doing because they can see what I'm trying to do. I'm not glorifying nothing. I don't want anything glorified. I just want you to tell your story. And a lot of people learn from it. I get a lot of kids that are like message me and say, you know, I've seen your videos. Um, and it's made me learn and, I, you know, I've learned from it and I'm comfortable road. Do you know what I'm saying? And even if it's just one person, it, it's worked a bit. Do you know what I mean? And also for the people that's come onto my platform, a lot of them gone to go into, other, I always put their details in the description. They go into other bigger platforms. Like one of my guests went on Lad Bible the other day. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's getting some views and he's kind of getting his story out there. So a lot of people are getting a bit of exposure. Um, some rappers are going on to to you know do more get more views in their music and go into bigger platforms and stuff like that so it's kind of helping them to turn their life around that way because like it does it is a bit like bleak you know you think oh i just i just know how to sell drugs i just know how to rob people i just know how to do this but then when you when you see another angle Mm. it's good to just recognize that and and take it forward it's all about collaborations and positive energy exactly yeah 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 Yeah. definitely yeah so what's coming up next for you um got the book speaking to sean about that a bit but you know nothing set in stone but i've got the book um getting written a few documentaries for tv and been working with other other we're doing a few collaborations i've been um I've had an investor come and work with me and they invest into what I do. Amazing. And yeah, so there's there's a lot actually going, there's a lot actually lined up, which if you follow the platform, you'll see you can follow through the journey. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Delinquent Nation. Shout out. All the links will be in the description box below this video. You're on Instagram under Delinquent Nation as well, all the other socials. Everything TikTok. Delinquent Nation. I, I recently started a TikTok and that's, that's <laughs> How are you getting on? <laughs> Bro, TikTok, like, that blow you up quickly, you know? Like, yeah? Yeah, I've been getting, like, a couple hundreds of thousands of views Sweet. over there, yeah. So, yeah, TikTok's going all right. I've started it recent, but one about four, four or five K followers. So, we're just kind of starting out. So, yeah, TikTok's there. There's delinquent nation for everything. Everything. Cool. Yeah. Man, what a fucking journey. Yeah, it's brilliant. And the way you tell your story as well in so much detail and just your relaxed manner. You're very calming. Yeah, yeah that's my first chaos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, really calming. It's been lovely. Yeah, huge yeah. thank you for coming on. Thank so you. let us know in the comments what you thought about this. 
please go down and support, support Dimitri and his work. All the links will be down there. And I've watched, like I said at the very beginning, I've watched loads of his videos. Um, fascinating stories, hard-hitting stories, but with the life lessons weaved in and loads of like really interesting characters out of London, especially, especially. So, yeah, check out his channel and watch some of those videos as well. Subscribe. Thanks for watching. Thank you. Right. Cheers. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Here at Boomer and Jen, we offer a wide range of organic or recycled clothing. We all know our planet is important. We only have this one. So it's vital that we all work together to slow down and reverse the changes to the environment. Whilst we all know that big industry are having a significant effect on pollution, here at Boomer and Gen, we believe that if we all make small changes, we can do our part. Fast fashion causes detrimental effects to the planet. Not only is nearly 20% of global wastewater produced by the fast fashion industry, but there is a considerable amount of fast fashion ending up in landfill. So let's move away from fast fashion items that are only worn once or twice and start wearing extremely comfortable, durable and environmentally friendly clothing and ethical jewellery. Boomer and Jen was founded in a quiet town in Devon in 2018. It has now gone from strength to strength as the world is becoming more aware of the current climate situation, helping our customers to buy sustainable, quality clothing. All of our products are fair trade and registered with the Global Organic Textiles Standard Association. Check us out on organiccottonclothing.co.uk Gadfly Press is proud to announce the publication of Big Joe Egan, the toughest white man on the planet. And that statement came from none other than Mike Tyson, who wrote the introduction to the book. If you want to check it out, the link is in the description box below the video. It's got almost five stars on Amazon. And it is mind-blowing stories of Joe's rise in boxing. You've got the crime story of what went down at the pub the war at the pub, Joe's incarceration, and how the toughest white man on the planet could not be held down, how he rebuilt his life. He's gone from strength to strength, and what he's, you know, you can see right now what he's doing all over the world. So links will be in the description box below the video. Thanks for watching. And if you want to see the full podcast, it's on our channel now. In which he talks about Michael Francis, Tyson, and loads of big names that he's worked with. Fascinating stories. Check it out. So the book, Big Joe Egan, Toughest White Man on the Planet, is available in all three formats, audio, ebook, and paperback worldwide on Amazon. Link in the description box.